You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! <laughs> That was the third time I got something to do it. Man, Neil, that that story was crazy. I I, I really can't believe it. I love the music. Really, welcome to the. Christmas special edition Christmas episode of the Stayside Podcast. Christmas, oh yeah. Tonight, our special guest is Ryan Lewis, producer, songwriter, engineer, mixer, you not forgot, a master. You forgot the most important nay, part. Isn't nay. he twice Grammy nominated? Twice ish. Twice Grammy adjacent. Uh, <laughs> Grammy adjacent, <laughs> engineer. One of my good pals. Thank you, Drum. Thank you, Drum. Beautiful blue eyes. Uh, our trusted producer tonight is Andrew Kayon, as usual. What's up, Andrew? Yo, yo. And in the corner, we got Neil Engel, our co-host. What's up, Neil? I'm hiding in the corner. Today. He's hiding like a real... <laughs> he's a lot further... Okay, for hey, you dog, listeners hey. at home, he's a lot further in than in the corner. Yeah, he's, he's like he's... very much a part of the... I'm like a third in the <laughs> corner. A third in the corner. You can get closer if you want. Uh, you know. He's like, I'm good. Okay. I, got I like my, drink. my space, you know. Do you like the mug I gave you? I do. It's fantastic. Shout that, out to Logan. Yeah, show that to Ryan. Keep Oregon well. Oh, nice. Yep. That's Logan's That's awesome. nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He gave us a bunch of swag. I guess I'll turn off the Christmas music. We'll fade that out. That's professional. <laughs> <laughs> you did it! Andrew got the sounds! Oh, yeah. I've been asking for sounds for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, Adam had like a cat, cat meow sound app that he just kept playing at the most inopportune times. <laughs> <laughs> the cat's back, Drew. We couldn't find it last oh, week. Fuck. It's back. What the fuck? It's we a got, really cute cat. That's currently Mosby's favorite. Uh, yeah. Yes, Mosby's sound the best in the room. Too. Mosby the corgi. <clears throat> we have a corgi in the room. He's adorable. He's about a f- half an inch off the ground. Such a fluffy butt. Oh, yeah. just, can't, just can't get over the fluffy. I butt. feel like it's he's so just fluffy. a big loaf of bread. Is yeah. what yes. <laughs> uh, so so the, the the corgi that I grew up with. Shout out Foxy. Rest in peace. Rest in um, peace. That's we a good name we corgi. referred to. She, she was kind of a, a similar color, a little bit more red mm-hmm. than uh, than than Mosby. But um, when they run, their legs are able to go so alarmingly fast <laughs> that we yeah. called that we called like her the doctors. floating potato. <laughs> Like when she would really get going, yeah, yeah, the yeah. legs just become a blur, and you just sort of see this thing. Sort of, it's absolutely amazing. That's fantastic. Well, welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're coming in hot from Los Angeles. Indeed, the city Found of a few Angels. days ago. Yeah, buddy. How long are you in town? Um, I'm in town until the fourth of, of January. So a good, like I think, That's I think nineteen nineteen days all around. And you're working a little bit too. Well, yeah, one indeed. of the yeah. He's at my place. At that's Neil's, right. that's at right. Oh, place. it's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, yeah great, great band Lovejoy. called Lovejoy. Yep. 
I talked to Nathan last night. Nice. Good we've dude. been we've been, caught up we've been texting today. He just sent me the coolest freaking song. Um, I'm not. I won't. I won't be too boring while I look this up. But no, I have to. No worries. But there's something they're working on. No, no, no. It was just a, another man. I gotta say, um, they they have done probably more work on the reference side of things than anyone I've ever worked with. And do you like that? I love it. What do you really? mean by reference? How do you like, like I asked I asked them for some references of like other recordings that oh, they like, gotcha, other gotcha. songs that they like, other pieces of music that make them feel like they want this one that we're going to that we're working on and to they make have, people sounds feel like they have, they have like no. an exact vision. Dude, of what they yeah. put so much thought into it's it. It's only two guys, too. That's awesome. They put so much thought into it and just gave me the clearest roadmap humanly possible. Um, and so re- really, really, really stoked about that. But anyway, uh, as a result of that, their guitar player, uh, Nate Martin, and I have just been sort of texting on occasion. That's awesome. About music. And he sent me the coolest track, which is by an artist named Anderson East. And the track is called All, All On My Mind. There were, okay. a, there were a fair amount of listens on Spotify when I looked it up. But anyway, nice. it's yeah. an excellent song. Really, really cool recording, too. They're, they they have a lot of potential, that Lovejoy. God, they're good. They're they're very very good. I'm excited to hear them. I'm excited you to like see them. what happens. They're cool. They're cool. Awesome. Um, well, actually, that's a really good... That's a really good question for you slash the audience and the other producer that's in this room. Say... A band comes to one of you. We'll start with Ryan because he's our guest. So Obviously. Fuck off for a second, Neil. Obviously. But, <laughs> Ryan, let's say a band comes to you and they don't have any, they don't have anything for reference. They're, you know, other than what you've heard <clears throat> and you know they're starting at this time. Let's assume you're producing, right? You're producing, tracking. You're doing the full meal deal. Now, they're just, they give you some demos and you know what day they're going to show up to start. Are you going to reach out and ask for more? Are you just, or do you just respond? Are you a reactive guy? Do you respond to what they give you? And that's. I'll usually ask for it, and if and if that gets met with either resistance or just sort of a not, not a non response, then uh, I don't I don't really push it too hard because because uh, you know, let's say you I mean and, and those that would be the type of situation where I would deliberately want to start the recording sessions with a little bit of us just listening to music together. You know, yeah. and so right. I, I I find my ways of oh man, it's also I I really really recommend uh, this as a way to get musicians to tell stories about themselves. But t- most people that play an instrument uh, have at least a passing interest in gear and and at least the type of instrument that they play. And if you just start that conversation, then you'll you'll hear you'll get a story about that punk band that they were playing in in high school. Or the or that their dad was a guitar player of this type. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, um, yeah. So you, so Good so if you, if you if you don't get the references ahead of time in an email, there's still there's a lot of ways to get that information. Okay, gotcha. Na- you know, organically. What about you, Nielski? I'm gonna call you Nielski for the rest of the night. <laughs> okay. Because he's I Polish. I actually really like it when um, bands come in and they really have no idea. I actually kind of like that a lot. A clean slate. Yeah, because you know they. I well, I, I require demos and an open mind. Right? Yeah, yeah. I re- I require demos, but one of the most, you know, one of the funnest things for me is you know to kind of taking something and discovering it. You mm. know? So, but you know, demos definitely you got to hear what they're doing in the mm. first place. But to take something and kind of like develop something completely fresh and new and just have a a collection of ideas. Like in in the past, it's been. 
you know, if somebody comes in with it, for me, there's such a thing as too clear of a direction. Yeah. Like if they compare it to too many things, then it's kind of pinholing. No, it just allows for no wiggle room. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, no interpretation, sucks. no creativity. Okay, so then then that leads to a, a more value kind of question, like the definition of what your job is to both of you. Is your job to provide customer service, right? They're the paying customer, as it were. Is your job to provide a service to whatever they want? Or is it a, is it a partnership? Is it We're in the creative process together. We're both artists. Depends on the band or the client or the artist. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think yeah. that's, the right, that's the right response to it. Because honestly, everybody... It just depends. Some some artists want you to push them. Some artists will are horribly offended the second you even start trying. Yep, right. Uh, so, some some artists want to be listened to. Some artists want to be told to shut up. I, I mean, it's it's so everybody. And that's a people. Thing. Everybody that's... needs a different thing from yep. you. So it's a different it's a different job with with every client. Although I, I will say I I was taught production in a customer service kind of a way, like the the people. The people like um, I was taught in the latter. Were you? I was. Yeah. Um, like, like I would say, my 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 good friend uh, Patrick Tatro, who's who's been running a studio up in well, first in Newburgh and then in Vancouver, and then I'm I'm actually not sure where he is these days. Maybe back in Newburgh. Um, <clears throat> you could be but, on the moon. Could be possible. We, we have no idea, and there's literally no way to find out. No, could I have be. his number. Um, <laughs> but uh, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. I really need to call that guy. I love him. <laughs> Um, it, I I don't know, and like uh, with between Patrick Tatro and and Jake Portrait and a, and a few other people that I watched, it, it just um, it was a lot about following the artist's vision mm. and sort of getting a vibe off of what what they need. Yeah, and I I was it's really funny. T- I'm looking at your not to interrupt you, but to look at your discography here. I mean, Jesus. Out of all those artists, especially from what I can see, which, like, you know, we can see 10 to 15. Are all of those drastically different? Or can you say that in those window of artists, that's pretty much all the same way? Or is it really, like, individual? That oh, one man. is different. That every, one was different. Every single one. Every single one was totally, it was, was... How about you, Neil? Is that similar for you? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the whole... Like how, in the past I, year of people you've worked with, it's oh every each every person. every even it's even if it's the same quote unquote genre, every band is completely different. Gotcha. But you know, I got my start by, you know, I was in the goat shed. I don't know. Did you ever come out of the goat shed? Yeah, Ryan? one time. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I started the legendary out, goat shed. I keep the goat shed. Actually, well, excellent name. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a long story. That's a whole other podcast. But Neil Engel, brilliant marketing uh, genius. Yes. <laughs> But no, so how I got my start was in that shed, and I said to myself, you know, this is this is early, early on when I first decided I wanted to do recording. Yeah. And I was like, well, how do I how do I build this up? How can I get myself to do this for a living? And so I self self taught myself, find the local bands that I've originally had to beg to record with me. Like I think I actually paid one band one time to record with me. <laughs> oh, yeah, you told me. Yeah, and was the first band like a like couple I Red Bulls that. and some, some yeah, it was like two Red Bulls and I think. Um, like a pack of chips or something <laughs> was and yeah that they gave me for the first and anyway so yeah so basically I I the whole start was I took band local bands that I heard potential in musically that I enjoyed but I was like hey you know what I, I, we could work together what if we tried a couple things what if we and then I just kind of helped these bands progress in their careers and kind of helped them 
like, you know, like you want to do this for a living, but you don't really know the steps to take. And, you know, you're tired of Joe Schmo in the basement, but you can't afford the Chris Crummits and the Ryan Lewis's mm-hmm. of the world. Um, so I was kind of that middle ground. And so that's how I got my start was kind of taking, you know, bands and sort of, I guess, developing them. Are, so are, that's, you, are you a bottom feeder? Bottom feeder. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I, Picking I, up the scraps? <laughs> no, I was I was picking up the new stuff. Right. If right. he yeah, is, I'm he's more away. of a lobster than a catfish. Oh, right. <laughs> brilliant. Oh yeah. But no, yeah. So that's so I self-taught myself to, um, you know, basically the customer service aspect is definitely a main part of it. But trying to figure out how to improve upon what's already there. Right. That's that's my, majority of my mindset anytime I produce a project. Love it. Love it. Love well, it. yeah. I mean, it's tough because like sometimes you have to know. When to step out. Yeah, but also somebody might ask you for something that they're not really asking you for. That does that make sense? Did you know what I'm yeah, talking all about? All the time. All, every, so it's like, almost every project. Yeah. You know, uh, it can be something as simple as like they think they want a lot of reverb on their vocal, but really mm-hmm. they want a lot of delay. That's or where references be... come in for me. So it was like, oh, you mm-hmm. want a lot of reverb. Like, uh, I don't know if that's really what they want in my head. And so I'm like, show me a reference. Show Absolutely. me something you like. That's like, where references oh, come Oh, that's in. what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh, man. So, I mean, b- wires get crossed. So easily, I, I remember. I there, there were uh, there was a client I had a few years ago, and I just really, uh, to to be honest, I I don't think I spent enough of the time that I'm talking about th- that is necessary to spend getting on this guy's page. I think was the because um, I did a lot of mix revisions for, and I I honestly think he ended up taking the the project elsewhere at the at yeah. the end of the day. I've I've had one project like that. Yeah, just, I got fired know, from one. We we did not have the same definition of of what an awesome sound for that song was. So that just means that I wasn't the right guy for that project. Yeah, and exactly. that's, that's right. At the end of the day, that also can happen. And and there, I, was this, there was this uh, magnificent uh, failure in our communication where um, we just couldn't... Our adjectives... We were we were we were thinking of these things so differently, you know. Like right. like he he just kept on asking mm. the dr- for the drums to be more and more round and more and, and and softer and more pillowy and more, you know. And eventually, I did ask for a reference. He was like, "Oh, like 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 Michael Jackson's Billie Jean," which has like really small, sharp yeah. Yeah, drums, yeah. in my opinion. But that's just how he was hearing. That's it. how he was hearing yeah. it, right? And like you know, uh, it's some some sometimes that stuff is. It's it's so in the minutia that it, it's kind of hard to get to. See, I've gotten back in the day that would happen constantly with me. One lack of inexperience on my part, but two, like the creative mindset, it's so different. It's, it's basically based off of emotion, and there's no logic in emotion. It's you know feeling, and it doesn't you can't communicate it. Yeah. Everybody does it differently. But when when I I've gotten pretty good at you know the first like one or two. You know you have like a pre pro call or like you're meeting with the artist for the first time. I've mm-hmm. gotten pretty good at figuring out whether I'm the right person for the job. And if if I end up not being, you know, we know enough people, I can send them somewhere to yeah. where they're, they're better taken care of. Right. But the, these days, I don't really run into that so much anymore, thankfully. Well, yeah, that was Everybody is better served by that move, well, too. How, how you're you're better served, they are. Yep. They all are better. Yep. I mean, if you're a band and you're looking to work with someone, I mean, what's, what's something that the band can do to, to get some of that out of the way? You know... It, or is it just reputation? Like they just know that Neil does this. They just know that Ryan does that. Well, one thing that one thing that I would say, itself. and this this actually, uh, you know, I, 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 my 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 attempt to be such a, a chameleon, um, I'm, I'm really actually hoping that that this doesn't necessarily apply to me, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, but really for the most part, if you if you if you want to make a record with somebody, 
and you have a pretty good idea what you want it to sound like, and you can't find anything in that person's body of work that sounds anything like that, man, that's a really good hint right, right there. Right, That, like, you know... Yeah. Yes, we, yeah. we, we are talented <clears throat> professionals with wide skill sets usually, but for the most part, like, we, we've got a sound whether we know it or not. I, I've seen it happen moment. a million times with young bands and artists especially. Like, they'll... They, they like a band... And so they automatically assume that if we go to the guy who made that record, our record's going to be amazing as well. <sighs> it's not the case. It just like it's, just it, not. it's you know you have to have the right team of people to build the correct vision. That the songs have to exist too. Yeah, they have to do their part. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole. It's a sometimes, I mean, dude, I'm I'm trying to get used to. Uh, I moved down to That's LA true. with this mentality that like the music's got to be written before it goes into the studio, Apparently and not. like. That is not how things That's go. That's so old school. It is, it is old school. And I also it's like because it. I come from, from rock and roll and singer-songwriter. Yeah. And definitely, definitely, I have never made a singer-songwriter record where the songs, I mean, the song is everything. Like, the, that's, yep. like the songs have to be in place yep. Uh, yep. before a singer-songwriter record. But like a pop record? Well, it's gonna a a hip-hop record? How often R&B for record? Hip-hop, the hip-hop stuff you've done, which is kind of up there now you've done quite a bit no i mean i've seen i've seen up prepared here are the beats here's the tracks everything's written they show up prepared in a different way like Like, explain that so do they have their their flow written is that what's called no it's it's no but they've they've just the 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 guys especially if we're talking about hip-hop the guys and girls that are super just crazy undeniably good at it you can just tell that they have put in so much time yeah. Like all the time that I've put in with a practice pad and a metronome or running scales or 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 sitting down in Pro Tools just experimenting with stuff in my off time. All of that stuff that we do to hone our craft, that translates over to this this unbelievable power with language. And right. like the things that can come off of a person off the top of a person's head when Did they've been see... thinking about language and language alone. Have you seen language Black and Thought? meter essentially? Right. Huh? The, have you seen Black Thoughts improv? Have you anyone seen this? No. Black Thought, the guy from uh, yeah. The Roots, he does a 13-minute uh, like freestyle rap on some radio station, on like a serious radio station. That is probably it's, all. It's like viral as fuck right now because people are just losing their mind. Like he does, it's like da ba da da ba da ba he he. But it doesn't stop. He doesn't take a breath. He doesn't get lost. It doesn't stop for 13 minutes straight. That is a hard-working dude right so, there. Sorry to that is you, a guy. That's, that's what you're talking about. That is a guy who has put so much time and that so much is, thought yep. and energy into language and and meter and and I mean. Uh, so, so, what so, are, what are these guys studying then? What are they? What are they? What, like we play with Pro Tools. What are they honing in on? Like they just rap melody over and over and over and over and over and over. And you know, it's like it's so so it's like much. Being of, a comedian or something. So much of the hip hop thing reminds me of punk rock. Like it's it's the same. It's just different window dressing, but like, like just like I started in like you know uh, moldy basements with with crappy gear, like uh, the the young hip hop artist starts out with an M box and a and an SM7 and and, just does it and just (laughs) Just fucking does it it. just like grinds it out so hard. I mean, there's all these I forget the numbers, but the the uh, like people have tried to calculate how many beats uh, Kanye had written. Before he had his first hit, and it's well <laughs> the into fact the that thousands. they had to try to compute that—that's that, that yeah. means something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's a there's a hip hop producer here in Portland named Smoke, and I, I've I've worked with an artist. Um, his name is Raphael, and mm-hmm. he, and his artist project is is Vigil Antics. Yep. 
and um, excellent, excellent uh, artist, and 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 the production that he's bringing in from this guy Smoke here in town is so good. The guy, the guy just has this vibe that is all his own. Right. That is that is undeniably cool, and it's and it kind of it it's cross pollinated, you know, genre wise, right, right. and just you know, it, it hits all my buttons. It's awesome. And um and and Raphael was telling me that this guy cranks out sometimes between five and ten beats a day if he puts in a that's the thing an eight about or nine hip-hop. hour day. Yeah, like some of the most the most known hip hop artists today. Like we, we were talking about it last week with Adam. Um. Who was that? It was like Soldier Boy. Was that who it was? Oh yeah, Soldier Boy. Right, yeah. He put out for a while. I, I I could be wrong. The audience is probably losing their fucking mind right now. But I think he was one of the guys that like put out a track a day. Oh, I, dude, I, Lil I don't Wayne. mean like he Lil, wrote Lil one. Wayne's output. He released was... to right. the world like an actual release. Yeah, the, some of the best songwriters so I know awesome. that do it full time they they treat it like a job and they write at least one finished song every do you, day. Do you? I know the guy from uh, Black Keys, the singer. He does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whether he releases it's or not, he writes a song a day. Period doesn't matter. Christmas morning, he's sick. A song will be written by that day. Mm-hmm. By the end of the day, doesn't mean it's a good song. Doesn't mean it's good, but, but he it's did. A, but it's a song. He went through the and motions. that's how you get good. Yep. You just do, keep doing it, doing it, doing it. Do you guys? See I wanted rock to believe for way? the longest time that that was a even knowing better, even knowing this is in like maybe my mid twenties, especially playing uh, in Crosstide with with Brett. Oh yes, yes. And like I just watched how that guy was able to write songs. And I thought, this is not, you can't, you can't possibly, it's like, it's like a truly great actor. Like, can you really teach somebody that? I think a lot of it had to be there to begin with. It's a lot of mental. It's the same with like life in general and business. And And I, so I wanted it to be this, this like, you know, descended from the heavens type thing. Well, no. Nope. Guy just had a lot of time in the seat. He just worked hard. It's the same thing with. It's, I agree. it's it's the same thing that a luthier or a chef or I mean it's anybody who practices right. a craft. You put your time in the seat, you get uh, crazy. And first good. and foremost, they are passionate about it and they enjoy it, and it never feels like work. Mm-hmm. Maybe not never, but ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it should not feel like work if you're truly. Jack enjoying White it. talks about this. He he actually says kind of the opposite. He's saying oh. what you're saying that he loves it, but more to what you're saying, like it's not. It it doesn't feel like work to him, but what he what the work part that does happen is he doesn't wait to be struck by lightning. Yeah, for inspiration, because yes, that yep. happens twice a month if you're lucky. Listen, right. that and is if, a great if you way wait to do for it. That happen if you, especially if you're a busy guy like him. Mm-hmm. He ha- he goes in and he creates that lightning. He puts in the effort. He puts well, in the yeah, every, I, I have days where I'll I'll spend few hours on a mix and it's just not coming together right and then i'll try another day and it'll come right together Mm -hmm. but again it's like not every day has to be gold like a lot of the times when i when i'm kind of coaching bands that i'm about to work with on writing i tell tell me if you agree with this ryan but like i'll tell them like because a lot of them as of late have been like the the metalcore sceney kind of you know metal hardcore type stuff and I'll tell them, I'm like, look, like you're trying too hard. Just like if you feel like writing a Miley Cyrus song, write it. Like it. get it out, get it right. done, one a day, and like, you know. And then we together can figure out how to make it into your band. But like the create the creative process should be creative. You, yeah. you shouldn't you shouldn't walk into it pinholed. And that, that's my opinion. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I think those that style especially Let's have fun with it. They yeah. get really pigeonholed into that thing. Right, yeah. we're swoopy yeah. hair. We got a lip ring. We 
we look like the dudes from Alisana. But all the so all the, now we have to write music like that. So and is then, that really what you want? Well, you they, like and that? then they if, all complain about cool. like, well, people are telling us we need to be original, but you know we don't know how to do that per se. Like you know that's we, your problem. They think they're original, <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's because you're pinholing yourself. It's not gonna last. Just like sit down, like you can write an entire song using nothing but fart sounds for all I care. Yeah. Like Andrew does it all. It's the gonna time. be original. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, just like just be creative. If some like something comes out, you know, yeah, you know, like a ballad or if exactly. it's metal or if it's whatever you're feeling that day, whatever. Happens. Like you said, if it's Miley Cyrus vibe, yeah, but first do and it. foremost, you just got to enjoy the process. I feel. Like. I can't remember who I was talking to, to but re- recently yeah. I was having the conversation where um, one one of one of the more beautiful things that happens as you mature as a musician and a writer is I, I remember this thing about b- bands that I was in in high school and and watching other bands that that were you know sort of around that age. Um, maybe maybe this is something that you do in your first three or four bands that you're in in your life, where if especially if you're the singer the, the 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 songwriter in the band, every song you write, every single song that you write becomes a song that that band plays, whether it is appropriate yeah. for that <laughs> yeah. band, <Yep>. whether <laughs> it's just a new thing that you're trying, whether yep. you're in a metal band and you're kind of into jazz, so you just feel like you need to throw a little bit of that in there. Cause, oh, and that was another thing is like everybody, every musician, like if the if the if the rock band's drummer was coming over from a Latin background, they would have to play a Latin yeah. solo right. just to just to yeah, be able to. Sh- yeah. yeah, and like I just love that as you get older, that starts to go away a little bit, and yes. and especially like a really mature. Uh, songwriter is just has already internalized the fact that hey, I'm going to write a lot of songs over the course of my life. Yeah, and they don't all have to be a part of this project. No, or they or maybe also. I mean, I I don't think it's too gross to use the word branding here. Like, not at all. Like, if you develop an aesthetic brand with a certain thing that you're doing, then like, yeah, write write for that thing. But then also satisfy some of your other. That definitely I feel like comes with age. However, there are some people that get it really early, which is rad. That Um, is, I didn't I didn't start getting it till my mid twenties, probably. Honestly, Um, you know, fully realizing what that meant. Um, but the other thing too is like young bands. When I was in my seventeen-year-old band back then, we were just trying to play shows. So we just shit out something that was long enough to where we you could go play, play a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, like, what that's all we wanted to do. Like we, we didn't think about anything else. We just, just wanted to be play a drummer. Shows. Man, we've been working on this one for a week. Are we up to four minutes yet? <laughs> oh, that's good. Good to go. Good to yeah, go. Exactly. Astrid, here we come. Yep. Yeah, I remember uh, when Nate and I started the Days and Nights. We, I remember it like it was yesterday. We sat down. We had a very sober conscious conversation about how we're doing we're doing hooks only we're cutting out all the fat the dumber the better the faster the better like a lot of one string on the mm-hmm. d- like we did that on purpose pentatonic scale yeah ex- exactly and we we created a brand and we didn't go out of it for a moment and yeah i mean like that's not going to last you don't want to do that for a 25 year career but some people do. Well, some people, no, no, no. Do that for twenty five years, but also do other shit. But also yeah. do other shit. Make exactly. that your thing. Yeah, the home base, the day job. Man, it, it was. Were. I mean, what, looping yeah, back to, to Brett Vogel, it was. It was partly. I started to understand that when he got a side project going, like he just started this thing outside of our Singer band. Cross eyed. Yeah, people don't know. Yeah, yeah when I was so, younger. So, I used to be so curious as to why people were starting because the band's awesome. Why are you doing a side project? Exactly. I know. I, I remember thinking the same thing. It's that exact reason. And, I, older, and I remember even it. wondering, like, well, it's why necessity. do you need another place to put your energy? Like, yeah. isn't isn't this... Yeah. Did gonna... you guys ever get jealous of band members? When I was younger, I used to, oh, I used to get in fights <laughs> with band members. Remember that shit? Yeah, like, of course, yeah. It was because it was your fucking street gang. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you're in another band? 
you cheated this <laughs> band or you're fucking out of here. Yeah. No, it was, <laughs> it so was, hard it was like other. cheating. It was, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 uh, but now was... I look back and I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> Why the fuck did it matter to me? But it mattered so much. It's so weird, man. It's, yeah, it, it all, it's, it, it all gets, it's one of those amazing, like, life as a musician is so wonderful because everything gets better as you age. That's right. Like, it, I look forward to being 60 think of so all the goddamn bands that bad. Make, that's right. And think of all the bands that make it when they're 19 or even earlier. That's just crazy. Imagine playing arenas when you're 20. Okay, any, anybody want to get suicidal real quick? <laughs> Paul McCartney <laughs> was 28 years old when the Beatles Stop broke it. up. Turn off the podcast, Andrew. Oh when God they broke the up? Broke God up. He was my age when they broke up. Yes. He had, <laughs> and they didn't he had already, for most of their time. He had already basically solidified a brand new genre of music and had like changed the whole musical world. Prior to 30. Well, that's exactly that plays into exactly what we were just talking that's about. That's so crazy, Ryan. Not even five minutes ago. That. They just did what they enjoyed. They didn't overthink it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they overthought it. But, but here's the they thing. They worked their fucking nuts off. Yeah, yeah. do you, do you know, like, time. what, have you read, I don't know a lot about the Beatles. Do you know, like, did they, like, do a song a day? Do you know anything about oh, their workflow or anything? I mean, they were the ri- writing, Bible like, book? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, they were writing, like, absolute crazy. And also, outliers. they 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 never even toured, hardly, on their last, like, three or four records. They toured for not even two years. So I mean, they, the they just, they were in, they were in the studio every freaking day. That, that, uh, Neil, can you imagine that? unbelievable. Biggest band in the world didn't tour. That was a different that's age back then, unreal. too. unreal. Doesn't matter. I mean, they, I mean, uh, all the other artists around them did play shows. They, they just did, they decided didn't, not to. Didn't they? Because it was too much. They got. Well, like, correct me if I'm wrong too. I think the Beatles were one of the people that pioneered the idea they, of the PA. They're kind because of because they were the playing first, shows yeah. that were so big that they yep. couldn't hear. They're one of the first bands to yeah. like define touring because yeah. no band would get in a bus and go play like all those bands back then. They they kind of created that whole thing, right? But yeah, they only played for a couple of years on the road and then realized that they just couldn't keep it up. It was too crazy. They could never leave their hotel. Girls, we talked about this last week. And they were focused Girls on the writing, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, That's what they were crazy. passionate about, maybe. I don't know. Have you guys seen pictures of uh, of those old... I mean, an- another band that was huge for, for the development of, of PA systems was the Grateful Dead, which I, mm-hmm. I, I have yet yeah. to go through a Grateful Dead phase in Me my neither. life. I'm not totally it. writing it off. I know. There was this one time... I mean, I've always kind of fucking hated that I band, know. but there was this one moment a few years ago where I was hanging out. My, my sister uh, has been living in Barcelona for the last 17 years, and I was over at one of her friends... I was with her at one of her friend's places, and um, we were just sitting around drinking coffee and, and having a beer or something like that, and, and I... Oh, I, I regret these words. And I was like, "Oh, what, this is really this is great. What 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 do we listen to right now? This is really good." <laughs> My sister was like, "Ha! You do like them. You just don't think you do." That's so. So funny. who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's in the cards. But those, sorry, looping back. Um, yes. Those the photos of their uh, yeah, Andrew. Can you can you find? Uh, 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 so, some some picture of the um, our, our listening audience is not going to give a shit. That's if we what have we do all the time. Um, okay. But yeah, f- find, see if you can pull up time. a picture of uh, of what the live the live sound setup was for the Grateful Dead. Do like Grateful Dead? Yeah, there you go, sixties or something. Isn't there a little bit Woodstock? Wasn't that like one? Look world? at that what in the absolute fuck. It's like uh, scaffolding Jeez. and. Wow. I mean, it looks like. So it looks like a cathedral of, of speakers. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? And imagine telling these guys to do that. 
the the what <laughs> this is what we want. Do it. What do they call the guys that set up all the um Roadies? the trusses and shit? Not roadies. There's like a oh oh uh, not not grip, but no, in, anyway, yeah. those guys. They they probably just lost their fucking look at that shit. Yeah, it's insane. No, it's we're insane. we're we're seeing these pictures of like there's crazy. Those look like all NS10s. Honestly, <laughs> it 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 looks like a cathedral, but just yeah. made, made out of speakers. I have a hard time with that music. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I see what you mean though. There's so many people that go through a Grateful Dead phase. There's a podcast that Andrew and I listen to. His name is Dean Del Rey. If you haven't heard that, Ryan, you, you probably dig him. He's an LA guy. All right. He used to play in a band, and so he interviews a ton of band guys, like all the dudes from Queens and you know that kind of world. But anyway, he he talks about how much he likes the Dead now, but he used to hate him because <laughs> he's like a fucking metalhead from how Oakland. Old he? He's like late forties, maybe. Okay, I got a couple. 50. I got a couple years to go then. Yeah, and that's what happened to him. It happened later in life, and he fucking hated him. But I've now never he's actually like, listened. I gotta dig it. I'm sorry. I've never listened to the Grateful Dead, so maybe I'll listen to it first. Here, time let me do a get... song. You ready? And spin and fucking twirl and like fucking not have money for tips at the Crystal Ballroom. Just flow, man. Just flow. Working at the Crystal Ballroom ruined the whole like hippie scene for me. I bet. It just ruined it. The most wasteful crowd, the most disrespectful crowd. For people who claim they like love Mother Earth and shit. Boy, did they not give a fuck of that venue. Yeah. It's like a foot and a half of trash. They, they'd like give you money that was like shoved in their underwear. It was all sweaty and wadded up. Here, you count it. Wait, how's <laughs> that weird? Also, <laughs> also like, I always um, do that. <laughs> patchouli? Not a good thing. I don't. I, I, I really don't get. Are you, are you familiar with the smell of patchouli? patchouli? No. Patchouli oil? It's what all the hippies. Wait, I, so I've I've had candles that's like tobacco and patchouli. I think uh, maybe not. Not. The did you thing. like the smell? Smells more like poop. Do you like smell of I, I diapers? Liked, I liked the candle. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've never smelt it on its own though. Ooh, speaking of, let's light some candles. I like those candles. Oh, that's so romantic. So it smells like shit. Neil likes the candles. I do. It smells like shit, huh? Well, it's just it's a very particular, very pungent. Thing and I mean I the, I think the whole reason it's so highly prized is that it covers body odor. Um, that's it, right? It's so strong that it just masks exactly. Else, and and I mean, it really, it, it is just it is an absolutely god awful, not phys- just nauseating smell. And uh, yeah, and it's yet, terrible. And yet, a lot of and the thing about that that reminds me, Ryan. Like, why is it that all not some, but why do all hippies have patchouli? Why do they all dress the same? Well, Why do they all have these goofy purses well, it's, it's, and like it's, it's a community, pants. just like every could, other. Thing. Could it possibly be that maybe that is an oversimplification? But 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 bow, bow, bow. Thing, there's no like. I thought the whole <laughs> point <laughs> was to be open-minded and like individual. It's no, a but I mean that's like that's there's like no, saying. I'm not saying there's nothing inherently wrong with it. I'm saying it doesn't seem very individual to me. I know, but you're kind of looking at the Westboro Baptist Church and saying that that's all Christians. Like, like it's, no, I know. It's a minority. Yeah. You're right, you're right. You those, know the Baptist, those... it's only like 65 people or something total. <laughs> it's it's really a... not that big. Yeah. It's the, the problem is not... I mean, it's... You're, I, you're absolutely right. I don't like them, but you the problem isn't as huge as they make that, it Your serious. question has is a whole other topic about human psychology, I feel like. 
Because what? it's just like it's like they're supposed to be individuals, but they're yeah. all the same. Yeah. Oh, all, but I mean, yeah. once again, going back to punk rock, like well, that's the same. Thing. We had yeah, a yeah. dress code. Dress we code. had oh, you're supposed to listen to these bands, but not these bands. That's punk. Really that's like not punk. Yep, yep. Come on, there's no way you like. There's no, nobody likes crap. No one. Nobody no one, actually no likes crap. Of course, they, they don't. just had the best backpacks. They're t- terrible. They <laughs> sound Portland, awful. Portland started developing. Yeah, Portland started huge fucking point. No one likes this. Nobody. Nobody. Portland started developing a straight edge scene that's like that. It's like the new underground punk scene now. Yeah, that's oh, what cool. I mean. Man, the straight yeah. edge scene that I grew up in here in Portland was absolutely amazing. Unbelievable. Group of incredibly supportive. Like it's changed. Oh, shit. It's well, the judgmental <laughs> thing I hate in straight edge. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and they can be violent, oh, I, too. You know, I'm sure that I was blind to a lot of that. But, I mean, I got... I didn't know you had a straight edge uh, thing. I have a straight edge tattoo. No. See it immediately. Here we go, guys. It's on his dick! No. <laughs> oh my god, there's a big... Ha ha! What? Dude, that's fucking crazy! Oh my god. See the man. XXX? I just learned something about you. Dude. <laughs> that's right, because you're kind of a hardcore guy. You like... Yeah, no, I like mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I think I was shit. part of an really early uh, group of bands that, that had... That, at least we're the first ones to embrace that uh, metal-inflected style of hardcore. Um Straight edge too for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they or were part were... of the guys or something like that. Too. No, too they were, of... they were they were part of that scene yeah. for sure. Did I ever know you, Ryan, in your straight edge era? I don't know if I. Yeah, did. when was this? I I, I, I took a, a, a sip of beer on my twenty second <laughs> birthday or something oh, like that. I don't and know you for that one. It was it was honestly it was from fourteen to twenty two. So oh, okay, so yeah. it's like you I definitely know. Didn't you're a young pup. Yeah. It's it's also I mean I I got to admit l- looking back. Um, it's a, it's a it's a a binary way of thinking that is not necessarily tremendously adult. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, like what, just make a decision per the thing. Yeah, per the moment. I was vegan and I was straight edge. Right. And like, I remember the vegan you. And so yeah, that yeah. persisted for a while. Yeah, yeah. I and I did, that. and I didn't even start eating meat again until I was like 28. In fact, I think you were the first person I was like, "What's vegan?" And I asked you, and you told me. That was the first time, anyway. But you know, it's Pet just a, it's it's an attitude towards the world that says like you know, I'm I have this attitude towards these things, which means I never do them ever, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. will not ever do them. Yeah, and yeah. it was the same thing about vegan. Like you couldn't you couldn't just have a slice of cheese a couple times a year because it right. seemed good. It was like no, you if you are vegan, that yeah. means that you, you will never in ingest it, yeah. and you must always bring it up at restaurants, and you must tell all of your friends and. Um, and yeah, if, yeah you, people... if you accidentally eat it, you purge. And you... Right, exactly. <laughs> it's just, you know, mellow out. Yes, I agree. So we're looking at, Andrew's got Ryan's Instagram up on the screen here. So what what are those Jimmy Kimmel performances? Is that with the Priory? That was with Priory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was with Priory. Do you still talk to those dudes? Uh, No, in fact, I owe Brandon, their singer, a, a call. He just, he just nice. uh, gave me a call a few weeks ago. And my bandwidth has been at absolute zero, and I, I just haven't gotten back to him yet. Well, you have been very busy. It is true. God, this is like the first time we've had off in a while. Gee, I mean, it's, I, I'm so excited. <laughs> Can you talk about any of your San Francisco adventures? Yeah, yeah. I've been, working, I've been working with this band called Mad Caddies, who yep. I remember from back in the day, early Fat Records band. Um, uh, pl- played a few of the early Warp tours. I, I, I'm pretty sure about that. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right. But uh, anyway, they, um, they're still going. They still tour quite a bit. I've, I've become friends with their guitar player, Sasha, over the last uh, couple years that I've been in Los Angeles. 
And um, they're making this really cool record right now that is uh, great kind of classic punk rock songs uh, covered reggae. Which I oh. and also I gotta say, oh, I, it's a cover. It's thing. a cover album. A reggae cover of punk rock songs. Yes, no, that shit. seems incredible. It's I awesome. If Fat Mike is paying for that. <laughs> it is actually it's it's Fat Mike's idea. It sounds he, like it. He approached them, saying like, you know what? There's a thing because they they used to be way more ska, and I and, and that's what I thought they were. Mm-hmm, and they've they've kind of slowly made this. Uh, you know, because they're not like fast, no effects drumming, like not not really, not no. really, right? And okay. so, yeah, they've they've it's kind like of the... they've kind of made this transition over into sound, you know, more more sounding more reggae than ska, and gotcha. And so, anyway, you've also done a lot of reggae. Uh, yeah, dude, Probably. reggae sessions are fun. Are they? Yeah. I am loving it. You've done, some and I'm and I'm really too, starting man. to fall in love with the with the music. Um, it's all new to me. I, I didn't really. Um, I've always loved. There's an uh, the, the very first wave of ska music, which actually preceded reggae, in Jamaica was in the 50s and 60s. Yes. It was called Rocksteady or Dancehall. Or dance. I mean, not da- Dancehall dance came hall, later, yeah. but um, but ro- Rocksteady and ska. So artists like Desmond Decker, Derek Morgan, the Ethiopians, the Maytals. Maytals, um, yep. I, I that that is music that that um, basically in an interview in with Spin. Rancid told me to listen to Desmond Decker when I was 14. And I was like, well, I do whatever Rancid tells me to do. (laughs) And so I bought a Desmond Decker record. And even though so much of the music that I got into during that period of time has fallen to the wayside, oddly enough, this old ska music has just come up every three or four years. I rediscover it and re-fall in love with it and Mm. find a few new artists. And it's just been this ongoing thing. Also, the recordings are unbelievable. Really? Oh my god! We'll put some on yes, later. Yes, we should. Yeah, like um, the recordings are so raw. Half the Desmond Decker catalog is in mono, and they they just they fucking rule, man. Wow. It's just it's good sounding shit. That's um, awesome. Anyway, so it's 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 it it, it it hits me on a lot of levels. But love it. There's so the, so a seed has already been planted for for me to really like that music. Um, but man, interesting. I've been, I've been really, really loving it lately. Awesome. And yeah, there's, a, there's something about, I mean, w- once again, you can't generalize. I'm sure there's a bunch of, uh, super anxious, entitled, lame assholes that also make reggae. I have no of doubt course. that that's of the course. case. They're everywhere. So far I've been in the studio with some incredibly laid back, gracious, grateful, I feel like kind. That's, that's the yep. spirit. Of yeah. the music, I feel like. Yeah. That, every, so every every genre kind of has its own definition of who the coolest guy in the room is. Like maybe the coolest guy in the room in a punk rock session is this guy who's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. I don't, you don't even know what <laughs> he's going to do. Fuck the government, man. That, he's, he's super hungover. He just puked and then he started drinking again. And like, Chance that guy's smokes. fucking awesome. Can't trust um, that guy. In a metal session, it, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's the guy who has the best weed or it's the guy who's the most stoic, you know, Badass, or you know, every every mm-hmm. every genre kind of kind of has its own idea of like who's the coolest guy in the room. Coolest yep. singer songwriter in the room is the guy who's super deep yeah, and like yeah. can quote poetry, and you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and the coolest guy in the room, it seems like in a reggae session, the guy that everybody's trying to be is the coolest, the right. kindest, the kindest, the most grateful. That's awesome. That's the, awesome. And I mean, uh, it's uh, take I'm, notes I've, other genres. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> 
So I've I've That's I've had only cool. only positive experiences doing reggae sessions. And so you're already cool. such a positive guy. I can only imagine what radiates from that room when you guys get. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like, probably walk in. It's just like it's overwhelming kindness. And there is also <laughs> this crazy uh, Jamaica Irish connection. There sure is. There's 25 percent of J- the Jamaican population has Irish heritage. Oh. 25, I mean, like, that's not insignificant. No. And, um... Is that for bad reasons? Uh, no. no I mean, kind of. Like, like, like uh, the Irish people came over there because we were poor or, okay. or cr- criminals who were indentured servants. Gotcha. Or, Just like, like Australia? Yeah. They, they ran, yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, well, we, like we weren't getting call. sent there necessarily, yeah. but it was like, let, you know, uh, man, potatoes are not really growing like they used to. Let's, let's <laughs> go let's, somewhere warm. And- yeah. America uh, but, or Jamaica? But, uh, <laughs> a shit ton of, uh, of Irish people ended up in, J- in Jamaica. Oh, and shit. There's this weird, like, I was just talking to this really great producer um, who goes by Winta, and he's uh, um, da- Damien Marley's keyboard player. And uh, is, uh, goes, uh, w- Winta Freshness is, is, is Winta the producer Freshness. name that he goes by. <laughs> Sounds like a I gun. need to get a name. Everybody he's right? talking about has a name. What's your, what's your nickname? Yeah, just Ryan Lewis. Call him, I call him Blue Eyes. Blue eye. All blue eyes. I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. All right. Think let's of one get, for me. Think of going. one for me. Anyway, L- okay, listening audience, let's 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 keep that going. Old blue. Josh eyes. is a stinky, right? Yeah, Josh turned into stinky. Yeah, yeah. But That's I was right. talking to him. I I asked him if he'd been to Ireland, and he was like, "Yeah, I have." And I just I felt like I was home. That's so crazy. There's just something about that place that no shit. I just kind of I understood the people, yeah. and it's just kind of interesting. We we got along. I need to go to Ireland. I loved it. Yeah, man. So well, I'm basically half Irish, half Native Jamaica. American. So, say that again. I'm half Irish, half Native American, basically. Oh no, yeah, you're, not, there, you're yeah. not Polish. You're not Eastern European, right? No, not at all. Because I was asking that too. You said something about him being Polish earlier. Well, Neil, he Skeen. looks. Yeah, he <laughs> looks. yeah, yeah, yeah. When you look very, but now that I think about it, you actually look more Native American. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. But the other half is Irish, basically. The old Mick, huh? Mm. A couple Micks in this room. Then there's yep. Andrew. I have the drinking tolerance of an Irishman, but the patience. Although I do, I do call Andrew McAndrew. McAndrew from Braveheart. Yeah, yeah. McAndrew. You know what I just realized, James? What's up, Doc? We always have the guests tell us about themselves. I know, a we haven't of, done that. Yeah, a lot of people don't know who the fuck he is I, yet. God, you just read my mind. Literally on my thing. Oh! And I'm like trying to get it in, but I didn't want to be awkward. Now's the time for the bio. Are you on section. your period too? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're matched up. All right, forty-five minutes in, we're, far- <laughs> we're starting. Yeah, we're just now starting <laughs> to introduce Ryan. Now, just do a quick bio: where you came from, when did you start producing, you know, and and sort of why. How about that? Um, you are yeah, bands producing when and why? Yeah, started started out playing in bands. First, uh, asked my par- parents for a drum kit when I was ten, and they were real cool about that. And um, which I wouldn't have blamed them for not being cool about. That's that. right about when I got mine too. Yeah. Oh, by the way, everyone, sorry to interrupt. Not only God is Ryan a talented songwriter and guitar player and lap steel guitar player and singer and producer engineer, all that stuff, he's also a really good drummer. Just want to throw that out there. The people forget. Andrew and I remember watching this guy. You could have said. Remember, we used to musician. think musician. Sorry to the the drummer after you for Cross Tide, but we were like. Dude, that version was better. We used to love your. I am. Man. I am very flattered. Thank you yeah, so much. Dude, you, That's the, awesome. The Ryan Lewis playing drums era of Crossside was the shit. <laughs> it was so like early emo. Yeah, like, like yeah, before right. the first definition really of emo. emo. 
I mean, okay. that whole that band yeah, yeah. started because he because he came over and played me Sunny Day Real Estate in Texas is the reason. Yep, and I was like sold. You're the kid in the glasses. Yeah, you're just not real. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. You ever heard the vegan straight edge four guy? eyes? Yeah, dude, we thought you were the shit. Oh man, you do like you this guys like roll. double kick thing, like. I had, oh, had no fucking clue. I watched. Them. I'm so glad those old uh, cross tie shows are on YouTube. Oh I, man, the, there's the, a, uh, a few. Seventeen nautical miles is up there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the um, upstairs at La Luna's up there. So fucking awesome. Oh, some of our so some good. of our friends, yep. our friend Justin and our another friend Joe, they just are are wonderful archivists, and they they kept all of these videos. Of Joe all Mangus, these great. Uh, Joe Neely. Oh, okay. For original first bass player for for. Weren't you drumming in a band that played on one of the late night shows? Uh, I was more of no. a utility guy. Oh, okay, he's like okay. the keyboard, yeah. or bass, guitar. I ran the, that was for a band called Priory. Oh, okay. and I, I ran right. the Ableton tracks and did percussion and some keyboards and some backing vocals. That's right. Okay, anyway. ba- back to your, your bio. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, started playing in bands. Um, I turned into a multi instrumentalist because of this wonderful thing that happens when you have the drum kit. Which you you might be familiar with. Everybody leaves their shit at your house. Fuck yeah! <laughs> like yeah. you have the biggest instrument, so yeah. like everybody just comes to you. Probably so they would leave guitar. a bass behind, and I would play the bass, and then they would leave a guitar behind, I play the guitar. So uh, you know, over the course of and just started taking it really, really seriously. And um, what was, age are we talking here? Um, so that's like I was starting to feel comfy, cozy on guitar and bass by like thirteen or so, and then right. by the time, I mean. I was just having a conversation with my folks about this recently, but I I still can't believe that I was this diligent. I, I really am not this disciplined of a human being now. But I would come home from almost every day in high school and play drums for two hours, bass for an hour, and guitar for like well, you know two why. hours. You know why, right? Because it's the most fun shit anybody well, will ever do matter. ever. Well, think about it. You're not you don't have to be disciplined to check your Facebook. Because you enjoy it, yeah, because yeah, exactly. You get something out of it. You don't have to be disciplined to do but something. But also, you enjoy. there's this there's this weird thing in my brain, a kind of weird uh, technical thing, where I want to know how it works. Yeah, and how like I didn't like immediately. I, I was interested as soon as I started learning the guitar and I was trying to learn these solos off of these Brett Gurowitz solos off of Bad Religion records, and then a friend of mine tells me about scales. And they're like, oh, there's kind of like a system by which all of this stuff works. And, and that system can really help you out and help you understand and decode what's out there. So, I mean, I would just come home. And, and the passion would be reignited. Oh, yeah. I you, wanted to, you wanted to break down the process and the system. Yeah. And I was, you know, I, I taught myself guitar by learning every guitar part on the first Rage Against the Machine record. Really? Yeah. And, and, and but not knowing what pentatonic meant. And then when somebody told me later. Like, oh, have you noticed that, like, you know, when you play a little lick like this that has all the notes of the scale in it, then it kind of makes you feel like this. But then when you play it this way, or you've like taken some of the notes, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute, right? That's like rage. It's I love power. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I first discovered that as well. Amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like it's the like brightest the, light bulb the that goes just, off over your yeah, head. Yeah, the world yeah. just like, oh, that's how it's done. Like, right. Yeah. Or the power of the bar chord, oh, where it's like, right. what? Oh I God. could play this anywhere. Now. <laughs> now I can write a song. Unbelievable. Nirvana does Unbelievable. that. Beatles do that. Yeah. yeah. I remember it vividly. I was 13 when that happened. Mm-hmm. So cross-tied, cross-tied, drums, learning how to play bass. Yeah, and all, the, and all the while, all the while, there, there was something about sound that was really appealing to me. And so the guitar players in the band would always say, Hey, can you do the? Can you twist the knobs up? Because like, it always sounds really good when you twist the knobs. Yeah. And, and then when... when uh, 
uh, Matt Henderson, the drummer for for later drummer for Crosstide, mm-hmm. and the drummer for every freaking band I played in uh, gr- growing up. Also very part. good. Oh god, I love Matt. such I a Matt marvelous forever. musician. I think yeah, I think we're hanging out while I'm in town this time. Mm. Um, one of one of my, I mean, we went to. I don't even know he was still here. Junior high, high school, lived together for a bunch of years. He's one of my closest friends in, in the, See in the world. See LL guy, too? Like us, we go. All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, wait, what were we... Oh, uh, Twisting the Knobs. Yeah. And... You're the guy that was good was at... Oh, oh he, got a, he got a Roland VS 1680. Nice. One of those, like, all-in-one, you know, mm-hmm. it's got faders and a hard drive and the most yep. basic little screen. That's not a tape? No, but it was one of the earliest digital workstations. It okay. was the it was the it was the 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 big digital version of a Fostex eight track yeah, cassette. Yeah. Rec- you know, yeah. Um, so he got one of those, and I just immediately took to it and yeah. wanted and wanted and was like really motivated to record demos for the band. And then uh, that that band, so you know, we 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 did it. We played for fourteen years. Um, and towards the end of it, we decided to make our own record, which which I ended up engineering. And uh, that record took us three years. It kind of broke the band up to a certain extent because it was just a, this long, it's albatross around our neck. How many records did you have? Uh, we did, we only ever put out one full-length album. The one on Rise? That was an EP. Oh, we have a split on Rise. It was a, it might have been his first release, but it was it was Cross Tide and One Last Thing was a okay. split. That's the one we recorded with Crummit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Yep, yep. Uh, so we we, we have the pleasure of having introduced Craig Erickson and Chris Crummit. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, Craig. Craig asked Cross Tide where Christian where the, I wasn't. I was not in the band at that time. By the way, I cannot <laughs> okay. take credit for this. Okay. Um, wow. But um, there was something that we we were fans of of uh, of Tabana and Delivery. And uh, yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Put up your arms, Andrew. <laughs> you played delivery for a hot minute, didn't you? No. 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 Put your arms down, then, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Was that only Chris? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, how'd you guys meet Craig? I'm just then? Huh? How'd you meet Craig then? How'd you know Craig? We we were we, we would play with some of the other bands that like one, one last thing and and uh, okay. yeah. Andrew. We used to play with Cross Tide. Was it Shelter Red? It must have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We play like the Hillsborough Bowling Alley and shit. And to, oh, there was a Cross Tide Tabana show. I wasn't in the yeah, band okay. at that time. Gotcha. Um, I was off doing what, what whatever I was doing, tra- doing, trying to oh being vegan and straight being hardcore. Yeah. I thought I was going to be a high school English teacher, so I was off. Oh, I was off doing that. Yeah, that. I was, was going to be my... an architect. Oh, nice! I was going to be many Damn. things, guys. I was yep. a firefighter for three. Well, years. before that, I was going to be a professional soccer player, but then it was an architect. Do you know that Neil went to the Olympics? It's a real story. What is? What is you that? went to what does as that mean? like a the child. As so, a... so the there's the Olympics that's televised on TV. But then they have different age groups underneath that, sort of like development. You're still competing, though. I was the U11, so I was 10 years old representing the United States. For? Soccer. In, no in shit! In Australia. Yep. In 2000. Whenever it was in Australia, yeah. When was it? I don't know. I was in, I think, sixth or seventh grade at the time. Maybe fifth grade. I don't know. So anyway. Long time. International yeah. athlete. Yes, Neil Engel. At one point in my 10-year-old life, yes. So when when was the first time you actually produced a band? Would, would Is it? Cross-tied? Is that the first? Because uh, you were the engineer, technically, right? Yeah. Who was? Who would have been the producer then? I mean, the we we all everybody that band was opinionated as hell. So you didn't hire someone; you guys did it yourself. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So that was that was an all in-house, pretty cooperative. Th- I mean, I I I did the lion's share of the work, just being the the guy who was the most motivated the to be. Twister. 
the knob twister and the yeah. guy running Pro Tools and keeping track of all the, of the all the tracks and everything. Is that what everybody, everybody I had across so the, much creative I thought input. of you and Brett. There was no question. I was like, oh, well, he's a singer-songwriter guy, but then there's that other dude that does everything else. Well, so but, it, but then, but then like, Matt was so... He was the architect. Like, he was... Um, and he had a lot of. He was very opinionated about Brett's lyrics, and and wow. would, and would, and would and had a lot of feedback to offer gotcha. about those. And like he he really, drummers have such a remark. Dr- drummers have such a cool crow's nest for the structure of the song. A lot of power. That that I I have found drummers to be very good at at song form. Yep. I, I, I have a very hard time drumming in a band if I'm not one of the arrangers. Yeah. It's just not going to work for me. It makes, I mean, lo- loop your loop your drummer in on arrangement, everybody. I mean, if, hey, if you want to pay they're good me at it. a bunch of money, <laughs> sure, I'll go Josh Freese it up or be a mercenary drummer. Sounds great. But You know, I, I, honestly, I was, I, I'm just thinking, like, what was what was the first thing? And I think yeah, that, what was the first paid gig? How about that? Well, I didn't even. I offered to do this okay. for free, but the first time that I approached, well, at least you did it for free. You don't have to pay, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a sucker. <laughs> this corgi is just all up in my business. Yeah. You are a highly motivated man. I um, try to be. Uh, there was a band called Oceana that was yeah, comprised totally. of Chris Camp, Chris oh, yeah. Camp and my friend Eric Griffin. Oceana, did some and I cool think shit. that uh, either Nick Bub or Kira, Kieran. Uh, I forget Kieran's last name, um, but uh, anyway, yep. uh, my friend Kevin Millard was playing guitar in that band. Uh, I the the first time that I had the chutzpah to to approach another group of musicians and say, "Hey, I'm a precocious enough little shit that I think I can, I think you should let me boss you around in your rehearsal room and come to your recording <laughs> st- session and and boss you around there as well," um, and. God, it just went so well. Like awesome. my ideas were really well received, and it felt like this very cooperative. You're like you know, I can do this. Like yeah, ex, yeah. you know, ex, extra temporary member of the band type of deal. I felt like, and and I I think that they even said that that I helped the recording session go smoothly. We recorded wow. with Chris Crummett, came out great, and um and that was that was the first time that somebody allowed me that level of control that that is sort of customary for a rock production. And um, then the next time around, I've, I honestly forget who the who the who who uh, well Brad Mackison. Wow, Brad Mackison, who for our listening audience, I just got done mixing for a few months ago his his most recent EP. He is my oldest client. He's no the way. he is the human being that I've recorded more music with than anybody else, and he was the first person. And also, almost nothing he's done. Correct me if I'm wrong, but almost nothing that he's put out, you weren't a part of, right? Not for the last ten years. The last ten wow. years, yeah. Nine nine years, maybe. Um, uh, he did a really great record with a with a local producer here named Rob Dacre. And, I love uh, Rob. Oh God, Rob's, Rob's awesome. Yep. He's so fucking talented. I can't stand it. Fella Bonds. Yeah, dude. Oh man, that's, that's where we got Eli from. Um, yeah. Anyway. So awesome. he did. He did a really great record with with uh, with Rob, and then uh, I've I've had the pleasure of being a part of everything that he's done since then. And he was the first person to ever pay money for a studio fee and bring me in and say, "You can give your engineer the day off, my friend, because I'm bringing <laughs> one with me." That's awesome. And uh, and you know, I I was really motivated at the time. Cr- Crosstide talked so much about production. I actually I was spoiled by that experience because we. 
we were we were on allmusic.com like two hours a day looking up who had worked on our favorite records. Really? Yeah. Like and and not just a couple of us. Yeah. Like we were all interested in it. Oh yeah, Dave Fridman. Just we wouldn't even say that a record label or a band had put out a new record. We'd be like, oh, Dave Fridman has has a new, a new nerd. yeah. So, like yeah, you were trained in the production nerdness. Way and before, that made yeah. sense to us because that that is how we could inform you know that that's how we could guide our career in terms of who we wanted to work with. That's and interesting. When I was sound, young, when yeah. I was young, I I didn't even think about that. Me neither. Oh, I didn't give a fuck. I assumed going into this Stephen industry that everybody thought about it that hard. And no oh boy, no. have I been wrong. About no. Very that. rare. Very rare. Rare. It's pretty rare. Yeah. I just w- worship drummers and fellow band guys. Yeah, of course. I thought course. they did it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was like, they just did it. Nirvana makes that happen. Like, oh, Steve Albini? What? Who? Yeah. Who? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, as soon as we sort of, we, as soon as we caught on to the fact that there were these people who had a bit of an aesthetic brand yeah. that, that, that I liked every time I heard it. And it was like, okay, well, you know, well, I, studio- I grew up in, you know, with with a punk rock label, if you found a good punk rock label that was curated by a single person, because they were all small, they usually mm-hmm. were, then like you just get everything they put out, because you right. know you you, you know you're gonna like it before they even Victory yeah. Records. Yeah, I mean I that was a bigger days. label, but like I just bought everything that came okay. out on Victory. Of you course. don't even need to send me the catalog, guys. Just send me the new thing. I know I'm gonna I like it. I used to do that too. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was the thing. You could. What do. happened to that? Revelation, Fat Records. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, yep. Do you remember a label called uh, Shit uh, Less shit. Avenged? No. Okay, it was a Seattle one. It came up right around Craig when Rise came out. There was Lookout, which like the two early mm-hmm. the earliest Green yep. Day records came out on, and yeah. So I mean, uh, sorry, sorry guys, where where were we? Where, why why are we talking so about this? Just where your, am I right now? Your path and where you're going. So the first guy to actually pay you would have been Brad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would have so been Brad. in between Brad and today, how many years has that been? Uh, I know I'm the worst with dates. How old do you think you were when you worked for Brad for the first time? I ten, could look up. Years, I, I still have the files 20s? on my computer, so I, 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 I could go back at some point and confirm it. But I, I, I want to say that would have been... I think it would make sense for that to have happened, yeah, about nine years ago. Eight okay. or nine years ago. Maybe I started playing pedal steel in his band nine years ago, and then we went into when the Magic Closet. a country artist. So yeah, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how, how long ago did you record your? When did your career start? When was your first band? How, like how how long ago was that? First was the, first band ever? Yeah, that was Oceana. You were saying right? Is that the first thing you recorded as a you professional? As that a you produced? Uh, yeah. yeah. Although although was it that professional if I wasn't getting paid? Well, it's, I'm, uh, yeah, they let you in the room. Yeah, I think true. so. But it was it was a, a Brad, Brad was an early uh, early adopter. Yep, uh, of, early payer of me, <laughs> and um, also uh, a, a guy who I am still uh, just an, a, such a huge fan of is a local musician and producer uh, and session player and just genius named Dominic Castillo. Yeah, and he was in a band called Ravishers, and he uh, was he was the first person that ever paid me to. Uh, he was the first person that ever paid me to mix a record. So they had already tracked it. Oh, wow. They contacted just mixing. You just just mixing. It, yeah. They contacted a um, a a big a, a well known mix engineer who's worked on a lot of records that I'm a big fan of, and thankfully for me, he phoned it the hell in. What do you and mean by that? Phoned it the hell they, in. They they oh. they paid a lot of money for for this big name person to to do a mix of their record that the, that they tracked themselves, and um. The the guy totally it was 
I mean, it it wasn't just a bad day. It was just obvious he didn't give a shit. Oh, like he, it was just lazy he work. He phoned it in. He phoned it in. Yeah, I've you know that phrase? I've, no, I've never had. Oh yeah, it's like. Um, okay, now I know. Right. Yeah, what does that come from? Calling in sick to work, maybe, or oh, who knows? Okay. Yeah, I get you. I get you. But uh, oh yes, 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 yes. But he, he he did shitty work for 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 this band, and as a result of that, I got the gig because like the A lister that they wanted uh, didn't didn't really seem to be willing to give it his full attention. Um, so oh, from, and then also uh, Water and Bodies. That was that yeah, was, was a super. That. that was super early on. Which do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. It's the band after um, Catusfly. Catusfly. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I mean, I was a huge Catusfly. Who fan wasn't? We were too. Loved them. Um, so, so, sail, so, sail home the prairie. Yep. God that whole, damn it! That record's so good. That's that what made me want to intern with Crumit. That record. I bet, man. Oh, yep. it sounds so. The sound of that record is held up. I listened yep. to it two or three years ago. I was like, damn, it's still a good recording. It's phenomenal. So that whole era was all up here in Portland, obviously. Mm-hmm. And at what point did you move to the City of Angels? Uh, January, middle of January is going to mark two years for me down there. And in that time, keep going, Andrew, scroll down a little bit. Right about there. That's good. Uh, some highlights. You got to work uh, credit as an engineer featuring Drom on the Gorillas record. Uh, the, t- the song is Andrew Mita. And that's one of the ones that, Andromeda. Oh, is it is that how it's pronounced? Andromeda. Yeah. Andromeda. Oh, I'm not a very smart guy. Bam, 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 bam. What is it? A galaxy? I think it's a galaxy. I think so. Something yeah. to do with the universe. Yeah. yeah. Um Rad Song. Oh, it's so good. It's like dark pop. Dark pop. It's it's a creepy fucking song. Everything Damon Albarn touches, I have loved. I I loved Blur. Love it. Uh, I I love gorillas. I really just think smart. he's he's. I'm so glad to share the earth with with that musical man. And then obviously a lot of the work he did with Drum. Yeah, awesome. I mean that that broccoli is one of the big songs. Broccoli just was fucking such off. an unexpected. I mean, I mean, Drew, you go to YouTube and type that. in oh, Drum crazy. broccoli. Yeah, you, just, thing, you just click that. That'll take you there. That's um, amazing. I love it. Go to the YouTube link though. Yeah, just click YouTube there. Let's yeah, see how, how many, many views, views it, it has now. Uh, 280,691,580 views. That's crazy. Yeah. That's all, it's, it's, I mean, <laughs> it just took on this life of its own. Yep. It was absolutely insane. I'm sure that's one of those songs, too, that if you don't know the name of the song or like you don't know who did it, you probably know the song. You've heard it. Like that's I've I found that a lot of people are like wait which one and then I'll have them look then, up in real yep. time like, like oh, what yeah. the fuck he did that what <laughs> <laughs> my mom knows that song like huge dude this is this is song. a this is huge. a I I'd I'd absolutely love this story obviously because it turned out well for me but I moved down to Los Angeles not necessarily on a whim but not with a solid plan at right. all for how any of this was going to work was Brad a part of that it he was a part okay. of that. Um, actually he was a huge part of that. I was on tour with Priory in Salt Lake city. I remember exactly what temperature it was outside and what hotel we were at and what the sky looked like. And he calls me to say, Hey, remember that record we did in your basement last year? Capitol records, or or actually he hadn't signed with Capitol yet, but there was a a fucking bidding war essentially. (laughs) Excellent. A major label. He, he received like six written offers from wow. from major record labels wow. for this thing that we did together that we co-produced together in my basement for for like the basement the Josh Northcutt yes yes yeah, the one that I so was that I've yep, been to. absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. for like six grand 
or I mean, this, right. some crazy low budget that he financed all out of his own pocket as an independent artist. And uh, so over the course of this mind-blowing conversation where he was describing this really crazy journey to to getting to where he got on all those people's radar, he just sort of in an, in a personal aside to me, he was like, by the way, we've spent a lot of time making music together and talking about music, and I think I have a pretty good sense of what you want to do with your career. And he'd been living in Los Angeles for about six months at this point. Right. And he said, you really owe it to yourself to check this place out. Give it a shot. It really feels like... You in particular, I think what you want to do with your career, that, that could happen here. You could be working on the kinds of records that you want to be working on and, and having the kind of day-to-day life like you want in this city. And it was a big, a big reason why I, I came down several months later just to, for a week and a half just on an exploratory trip just to check it out. And uh, Brad fucking picked me up from the airport. We drove by. He had just signed a Capitol. We drove by the Capitol building on on Hollywood and Vine, you know, with its big iconic, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Crosstide mm-hmm. wanted to sign to Capitol so fucking you guys bad. Did an audition there, huh? You did an audition there, right? We did. Uh, we we did a pressure cooker thing at Sony. Oh, that's in right. New York, but but We're not like literally in a room. Okay. Oh god. Play. Yeah. Ugh. Pressure worst. cooker. Absolute yeah. worst. Pressure yeah. Cooker. But um. But anyway, Brad was the one who called and said, like, you should really, I don't know if it's on your radar, but, like, you should at least think about maybe uh, coming down here for... It's for, a magical town. Yeah. It's and, a magical and, and town. His, and his intuition that, that I would like it so much was, like, 100%. We, we, we know each other pretty well at this point. So that was it. That was the only reason you moved down there. You it was the only reason. Didn't and have I a had job two, lined up. I had two solid contacts in the whole music industry that were Brad, who had basically said, I have no idea when we're making this record, but I want you to make it with me. Whatever, whatever I do for Capital, I would like for you to be involved. So I knew at some point I would have a gig. And, I, and he had this one friend named Josh Dean, who at that point was an assistant A&R in Atlantic. And Josh... Josh fought really hard to get Atlantic Records to uh, to offer Brad a, a a good deal, and and they just I think the people he was talking to didn't get as excited about it as he was, but he still maintained a friendship with Brad. So anyway, I arrived and, and with you and and with me, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we went out with him and got drinks, and and he and I were in touch. He was he was trying to send me work and was just being uh, a really good dude. Yeah. So I get down to L.A. in the middle of January with no idea where I'm going to live or how I'm going to pay for it or anything like that. And after two weeks, I was cat sitting for this guy in Los Feliz and, uh, I, my phone rings and it's Josh Dean. And he's like, dude, uh, I'm really stressed out right now. Uh, it's my job to coordinate a, an engineer for this hip hop session that we have over the next weekend. Slam dunk done deal. And, <laughs> and I, the, we, I, I, an engineer just called out sick and like, I don't know. And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. Yes, please. Thank, no, don't, don't, don't be sad about the short notice. Like yeah, I'm yeah. so stoked that you're giving me work. Thank you. And I came in and it was drum it was and, and, drum. and, the, and the fucking drum second, the second song we worked on day two, it was a Saturday and a Sunday. On Sunday, on Saturday, we worked on Workaholic, which is still one of my favorite songs on that record. Yep. And on Sunday, we worked on Broccoli, and it Jesus. went six times fucking platinum. Jesus Christ. And I mean, <laughs> how dumb crazy. is that? How fucking dumb is that? That's yep. insane. That's fucking crazy. So that... I, had, I knew your, your L.A. experience was a story. I didn't know it was that, though. Isn't oh, that there, insane? That's and there's shocking. There's like 10 more versions of that story f- for you, like from my perspective, all these different branches that we could go off. Wow. I mean, you look at the discography, and all those artists have a version of that story. But um, yeah, also, so after so after those two days with drums, sorry, like so, did you get steady work after that? 
Or like, were you hired on full time? Like, I got city work with him. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. And I did. I mean, I I did. I I went in there knowing they wanted to bring Ryan on tour with Drum. Yeah, I was going to be the engineer for the the. You, he had you brought told Kendrick. You about that. Two buses on tour. It was the the living bus and the studio bus with Travis the, Scott and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's right. Yeah, you called me talking about that. Yeah. I that's always for the rest of my life. That's going to be one of those things where I go, what what, what would have happened if I would have? I even know. told you I was like, next time you turn it down, give me a call. Yeah, <laughs> put, put Neil's name in the hat. Jesus, yeah, really. you know why I know you made the right move? Because of the time it felt right. It there's, did. There's, that was my gut. That's was, all you. Yeah, you have to follow your gut. And also that experience with, with Priory, like I. I I when when I went on tour with Priory in 2014, I missed touring so much. I had this this these real rose colored glasses that I was looking at um, touring touring in, and <laughs> Isn't and that funny? and I and I got to be reminded in my adulthood that like oh shit oh, that's, that's really right. hard this fucking and sucks. and and actually I don't think this is where I want to be. And yeah. so and so my my gut told me not to go out on the road. It was also a really long tour. Real but long. dude, I fucking love drawing. I still drum. have those love glasses Kendrick. on, by the way, the rosy eyed. Huh? I've only done a couple tours and they were with Alisana, but I loved every second of it. Yes, and I want to go back on the road again. And it, it was like it, it was. But like, hold on, yeah. it's different for everybody. Well, like, it was like it was a t- it was a it was a passenger van. Would you want to do front of house? Yeah, yeah. You I mean, talk, you should talk to Adam, dude. With with oh, well, I mean, just like not full time. But you know, like with Allison and stuff, like I would, you know, restring guitars, tune the well, drums. The, like he I keeps having to load in, not turn down every tour. But you know, he does most majority of the tours with Red Fang. Yeah, like, I'd he love keeps, to. He's too busy. I mean, the yeah. Allison tours that I went on it was a passenger van with like twelve people sleeping in it, like mm-hmm. no hotels, and a little U-Haul rental trailer. I loved that shit. It was fucking great. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I loved it too when I was young. Got no interest in it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I would tour if it. If it made sense, if it was some, a project I really believed in, or you were paying me a fuck ton of money. We but, were, you know, it's just like I'm... I'm we were outside, but, and, and there, there, was, there were so many absolutely magical moments on, the, on those Priory tours. But there, there, there was this particular night where we were, we were camped out outside of a... We, we all had 24-hour fitness memberships, so we had somewhere to shower on the road. Very smart. Yeah. And um, so we're we're camped out in this big vehicle that we toured in um, that did not have a bathroom on it uh, in the parking lot of a 24-hour fitness. This 24-hour fitness was not open 24 hours. (laughs) And I'm just – I'm sitting there in my early 30s needing to poop at like 3 o'clock in the morning after having just worked so many – I mean – our our the publicist for that band was trying to get us killed clearly because like we it was like uh oh hey so uh, you know we we got you a really cool uh radio interview in the morning it does mean you have to drive through the night for the Ugh, third night in a row oh, uh but you know but but it's going to be really good and um i can see what, how that could become oh god yeah. it was it was it was gnarly yeah. um and so yeah there there was this moment where i was sort of like oh i this has lost its luster uh, yes. To a, to a certain extent, I can see that. Yeah, hey, it's, Andrew, it's, it's really hard out there. Where are we on the clock here? Got an hour. Let's uh, let's go take our ceremonial pee break as we do on the stateside podcast. Yeah, excellent timing. We all yeah, yeah. yeah pretty good at this. Swords? Yep. Swords? We'll compare oh, dicks. He's, it's like he knows. This, yeah, right? he, he, he gets it. Swords. Smoke some cigarettes. Whatever you got to do, and we will be right back to finish this motherfucker out. We'll be right back.
dad. You just told me earlier today that you will be listening to this episode. And I'll have you know that that nothing like that is going on. (laughs) Mom and dad, it sure is. Lying is lying. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Mr. and Mrs. Lewis. It's the season of giving. Come on. It sure is. Um, Everyone have empty bladders and full hearts? I think so. Okay, good. Well, welcome back to the Stateside Podcast, where we talk about pee more than we should. Um, Neil refers to STDs almost every episode. They're a big part of my life. Apparently. <laughs> just just really uh, really honing the, the scatological, turning it into an art. It's going to be you. you know? Good word, you. by the way. Why, thank you. A good word is what I said. Not good, good word. It's a good word. You're what was the word talking. you use? Scatological. Scatological. Are you good at um, Scrabble? Is that the... I don't. I. I've. I haven't played Scrabble since I was a kid, but I. I. I do have a. I, I like words. I'm so bad at board games. It's bad. Like I'm dumb. I. Can't, I don't. I don't know the rules. It's embarrassing. Does, I'm is, good is at your, battleship. Is your family big on board Checkers? games? Kinda. Yeah. Is that a t- default Macmillan activity? Yeah, they're really like Irish Catholic. You know. Passive aggressive guilt that's a, No, that's a big thing. Like the, the family game of Monopoly or the family game of Life or Sorry or and they're whatever. They're mean. It's, it's, My it's wife is huge. mean too. She's really mean to me. Like if I don't, I forget the rules of fucking whatever we're playing. So I can't even think of a board game. That's how bad I am. <laughs> this one time we got a, a Battlestar Galactica board game for Christmas from the Drapers, Michael Draper. Indeed. Uh, they bought that for us. We We brought them over to play it. And we couldn't figure out how to play the game. So we never ended up playing it. It was so complicated. It was outrageous. That's the end of that story. But we just couldn't. It was like so nerdy and so over the top. You know, like we couldn't even begin to play the game. Four adults in a room. We couldn't figure out the rules of the guy. It was the, the cones of Dunsmuir. <laughs> Did you guys, any, any uh, parks and recreation? Oh, fuck yeah. I've seen a couple yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of board games, yeah. how about what's going on in the game of life? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Segway master. I'm trying. What you trying. got for us, Drew? A little current events. What you got? We got an Amtrak derailment. Oh, it's so sad. So a friend of my Holy parents has a friend who unfortunately passed away. You're kidding yeah. me. No Holy way. Shit. Oh, no. Or or at least hadn't been heard from the. I mean, yeah, I think I think he's yeah. Wow. So oh. they don't know how many people died, Drew. I think it's like up to eight. I think. Oh my god! And it was oh no- my god! Look at those pictures. And it was nobody on the train, yet. right? It was everybody. Or no, it was uh, the. My mom told me about this, so I think the only people that died were on the train. Nobody died on the highway. Oh, okay. Because mm. it, it happened over a bridge. It looks like. Yeah. Dang man. What it's happened? Brutal. How does that happen? Was the train was speeding and traveling at 80 miles per hour in a 30 mile per hour stretch. Yeah. Oh, Around wow. a 30 mile an hour Jesus. turn. Apparently. I heard earlier that it was a new um, a new rail. Right. Yeah, so basically. Like, so it wasn't it was the, Who knows? The, they were christening a whole new. Yeah, my, yeah. So yeah, yeah. My mom ranted to me for like two hours last night about this. So basically, yeah, it was a new line that was made. And the, it was supposed to be a speed train to, like, you know, get to Seattle mm-hmm. and Portland faster. The kicker is that the, all the investment, all the taxpayer money, all of this was for 15 minutes saved going to Seattle over driving. You're kidding me. Yep. Jeez. And, yeah, it was, the christen, it was the christening, which my sister almost took the train. She was in Seattle. But they opted to drive instead, thank God. But 
Yeah, so it was it was yeah supposed to be the speed train. It's not like a bullet train, but it was you know supposedly like a middle ground, and they were late on their christening to to leave, so they were going a little extra fast to try to make it on time because it was the christening, and that happened. That's crazy, man. And so the lines being shut down, all those millions of dollars, however much it took, really of our taxpayer money to get this fifteen minutes saved going between Portland and Seattle. What a bummer! It's now cost eight lives, and it's never going to be used again. Those poor people. Because, I mean, that's really the last thing you expect. You're just sitting on a train. So, wait, 15 minutes saved against what it would take to drive it in a car, but how much faster is it than the previous train? Right. That's a good question. Because, like, some people don't drive. Yeah, it was was quite a bit faster than the train, if I remember correctly. I I mean, that starts to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. But still, like, I mean, overdriving 15 minutes, like, I don't know. That was the whole reason, is because I guess there's a lot of congestion going into both cities oh God. on that drive, yeah. and so that's why they fixed it. But, I, you know, it's like I would have much rather had money put into the traffic we have here in the city. It's gotten real bad. Holy it's crap. so bad. Yeah. What do you no, think of that, Ryan? That's blowing my mind. Because, like, Isn't yeah, I, I, I live in a city that now that has a lot of traffic. However. It's built for it. People drive like it. It's built like for it. it, and the reason there's traffic is because there's so goddamn many of us. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an understandable reason there's just an insane number of people in that city, sure. and and not everybody has the luxury of of living where they work, or or having a c- conveniently placed significant other mm-hmm. or whatever. And we're just constantly driving. Also, god awful public transit. So just constantly right. driving, yeah. uh, everywhere. But the city's built for it, and it just kind of doesn't. Why do you think it's so bad here? Because the city was, I mean, the the it city planning here was not forward to. thinking. Like, yeah. right. dude, I we'll was just, I was just sitting. Bike town forever. I was like, just sitting. Well, it. and that's another. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, no. I think I everyone in this room agrees. Yeah, <laughs> it's infuriating. So I was just taking uh, I five here, mm-hmm. and our interstate that commercial vehicles use and that we all use and everything. Mm-hmm. Goes down to two lanes in the most populated part yep. that it passes through. Yep. I mean, it 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 boggles the mind. It absolutely boggles the mind. And they refuse um, to do anything about it. At here. the same time, uh, the, our our the the way that our population exploded. Um, I don't know. Unexpected. Who, I don't know who could have predicted that. Yeah. Um, but they're not doing anything about it. See, like Seattle is exploding as well. But every time I drive up there. Every, t- every time I tr- there's projects, a new construction. Though. Yeah, there's, there's a new construction. Long project. Like they, take... they are doing something about it, but like late. we won't see any, any results of that for it's honestly ten five, ten well, years. My, my, my point being, yeah, in Seattle, every, every yeah, time I go chasing. up there, there's something new going on to help the traffic. Yeah. I moved away for like five years. When I came back, the population was exploded. Not a single new road, not a single widened highway. Everything about the, the infrastructure was the same. They're not doing shit here, and it's driving me nuts. In fact, the, this this road that runs north, what is it, uh, Williams, uh-huh. I think? Yeah, like, they closed, they took out an entire car lane and made it a bike lane. <laughs> yeah, an entire fucking lane. They're building bike lanes, but they're I know. not, like... <laughs> not even, like, a part of a lane. They're making the traffic worse, and the whole reason and, they want to do it is because they want the environment dude, to be better, and they want people to drive but bikes. But we've talked about this before. Yeah. It's pretty elitist to fucking assume that everyone has the luxury... To ride a bike or in this fucking city. Like, what if you work 
outside the city? What if you have to take transportation? Well, the, the, that's, the other you know, thing like, they're not thinking about too not is everyone lives de- works downtown. Like is that people are going to people? But that do you guys cars- honestly think that the idea is? Do you think the city of Portland thinks that everybody, every citizen of Portland, should be riding their bike everywhere? They've said it. Yes, they do. They, they for several years now they've tried to outlaw cars and trucks downtown. How are these how are these businesses supposed to get their services? They're trying to push everybody into mass transit and ride clean things, but the what, the thing they're not thinking about you can't is deliver gas the two hours that you're sitting in traffic is an extra like hour and a half that you don't need to be on the road polluting the air. They're not thinking about that. They're just they're, they're, I don't. I mean that's that sounds like like fantasy thinking for anybody to think that because I mean there's still traffic there's still uh, uh, automotive traffic in New York like. There's still tons of a traffic lot, in yeah. cities that have great public transit. Right, but Portland's so what do you think? Are, you, are you think that Portland's on the right track? Then is that what you're saying? Uh, I, th- I thought honestly, I thought you were annoyed by the whole bike thing here. No, That's I'm just annoyed by cyclists <laughs> in general. Yeah, yeah. All, I mean, it's yeah. It, let's talk shit about cyclists. Let's have fun with that. Well, let's the, do that. Uh, so little penis hats as, as, as I just mentioned. <laughs> My my sister's been living abroad for a number of years, and <laughs> in in Barcelona, in, right? in Barcelona yep. there's a Barcelona. like like a, a lot of the major thoroughfares. Um, well, first of all, there's just bike lanes absolutely everywhere. But on on the major, too, on, right? on, yeah, oh yeah. tons. But on the on the main thoroughfares where they're getting lots of traffic, what they've done is there the the cars occupy the center. Two to six to eight lane. I mean, some some of these avenues are really really broad to, yeah. to for the main arteries in town. Take note, Portland. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's traffic in the center of the road, and then waste collection, which is a high curb that has dumpsters that are bolted to the the shell. The bottom shell of the dumpster is bolted to the ground for and the cars in traffic. No, 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 no. Oh. So in the middle. Cars, traffic. Right, right. Directly on either side of that is not a bike lane. It's this waste waste removal uh, sanitary service mm-hmm. that's like everybody's dumpsters in the city. And then on the outside of that, with an incredibly secure physical barrier, are the bike lanes. Right. And the thing that frustrates me about cyclists in Portland is we we have been led to believe that this is a safe city to ride bikes in and people ride them like fucking idiots they want it both ways they're pedestrians when it's convenient for them and then they're part of the traffic yes. when it's convenient for them and so and, they, and they, like and like people ways. people riding all the way to, like i used to, i've lived in the in around sandy boulevard yes. for years and years and years and years and there. years there are dedicated streets for cycling traffic mm-hmm. that have reduced car traffic mm-hmm. to keep everybody safe and yet some asshole who's trying to save five minutes by not using one of those bike lanes is always riding down Sandy Boulevard, jeopardizing his safety, right. my safety, my my conscience. Hit, yeah, exactly. Like, like I that that is. Remember the absolutely used maddening. to bomb down barns, the zoo bombers. Remember those guys? Oh my! Yeah, Do you remember that shit, guys? <clears throat> yeah. They'd ride, and and then it progressed where like they'd ride little bikes for some reason. That was a thing. The zoo bombers would ride like baby, like children but bikes. They would at least get together enough people. Yeah, but dude, it was bad. Like, cause I I used to drive home from the ballroom back to the west side that way at oh, like yikes. three in the morning, and um, it was just the the only way home for me because I lived up on that hill off Barnes, and it, it was just like Russian roulette. It's like, is tonight the night? It's super fucking oh, foggy. That's it's awful, January. Man. 
these fucking dickheads, and they're all drunk and like they're not obeying. Yeah, any guys, law. don't do that. That's that's it sucks. <laughs> so you just pull over and wait fifteen minutes. Like I think they're all done. Wait, no, there's I mean, yeah, one. the thing wait, the thing that one. frustrates me is this very what I believe to be a very false sense of security that leads to some some real some some behavior that's really flirting with danger, and I I don't I don't like that at all. I, like I mean, the statistics. There, there, there are there are numbers that prove that if you give people, if you give people wider uh, automotive traffic lanes, mm-hmm. they drive more, and if you give them more bike lanes, they they bike naturally more. take their bikes more. Right. Like that's like Amsterdam, it, right? Have you been to Amsterdam? Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's, it's crazy. Like, I think someone told me it's like seventy <clears> percent <throat> or more bikes at this point. I mean, you almost never see a car all there. through Southeast Asia. That's yeah. the case. India bikes, bikes it's everywhere. Wild man. All right, right but well, and again, they're building for it. But see, yeah, Port- I think what Portland's also doing- Williams is not. I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Williams is not the problem here. Oh no, but I'm just saying that like, it's happening throughout the city. They're yeah. taking up. Oh yeah, tr- like, Other... like roads that are already full of car traffic and reducing them for bikes. See, and and again, like Barcelona and Europe, like these, these cities are built for the bikes. But here, Portland's just trying to be that city, and yeah. so they're making it impossible for you. to You can't drive just here. want to be it. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's oh, what, oh, that's I see what, I what you're saying. saying. I yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. And it's like people are still going to drive cars. And yeah, like I live way out in you know northeast by the airport, and to come here for the podcast, I'm not going to ride a fucking bike. Yep. Like, There's no way for this to be awesome in the short term. Like the the only improvements that we're going to see are going to be ten years down the road. Which agreed. is fucking if Portland awful. even does that, I don't even think that. No, I mean happen. they're going to have to. Like like the they're the businesses that can't move through can. the city are going to move somewhere else. Like. That's I think that's their goal. There's that whole <laughs> there's that whole movement of keeping Portland a sanctuary city, whatever the fuck that means. You know, Do you know Portland what that means? Like, no. It, well, they, it's like they don't want people. There's that whole Facebook movement, um, and there's a there's a th- there's a group on Facebook to where it's advertising housing, you know, like places for rent and stuff. But you have to be added in. You can only be a Portland native to see. Like there's this whole movement in this city to like get all the foreigners out. And just keep Portland the way it's always was, and it's, it's ridiculous. Rude. There's no room for Portland growth. was always a city of people from somewhere else. You know, like half the, most of the friends I had I keep saying the Crystal Ballroom, but that venue was staffed by people from you know Nebraska and Wyoming, all these shit. Right, states. but that was before it got bad, and now yeah. everybody's like, "Well, I'm, but, a, but I'm my, a Portland." Native. But to your point, is now they think of themselves as. Portlanders, so now they're getting pissed of all the other wave of people right. that are coming. It's like, right. dude, you came somewhere else. Too, I bro. know. I've heard so many people about? that moved here in 2012 go, "Well, you know, old Portland." Old it's like, Portland. what the <laughs> fuck are you know? talking about, dude? Grew up here, Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, what else you got for us, Drew? There's uh, Trump's reaction to the Amtrak derailment. Okay. Oh yeah, human dumpster fire. Yeah. He he was just like throw more money at it, more government, more. Is that the sweet? Yeah, the train accident. Just I was just—I was just talking to my my folks about this over uh, over lunch or whatever whatever you call a meal that you have at that part of the day, and uh, it's just the fascinating thing to me about the, his whole push for public works and jobs is that we're at like near record unemployment. We have yeah, like, we have like a four percent unemployment rate in the country. On infrastructure, but that was a, a new thing. Yeah, sometimes bad shit happens. They were driving too fast. That's what happened. I, I really don't get it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this like it's an internal thing. It's not infrastructure. Yeah, whatever. He's a weirdo. Yeah, I'm 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 of the opinion that our current president is a real dumb guy. Real dumb guy. Real narcissist. Yeah. What else you got, Drewski? Oh God, <laughs> a Florida man. What? Who dragged a shark behind boat charged with animal cruelty? Why would he have done that? 
What's the point yeah, of that? Why would you drag a shark? Was on three men uh, in a viral video showing a shark. Oh my being god! Violently dragged behind a speeding boat. Wait, here go back up. Oh, the, Jesus Christ! Violently dragged behind a speeding boat. They've been charged with animal cruelty, among other charges. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission and prosecutors from the Hillsborough County State Attorney's Office announced Tuesday. Michael Wenzel, 21. So there's a few of them. Yeah, three of them. Felony and misdemeanor charges. What Is there a video assholes? or anything? Just because sharks are kind of mean doesn't mean you, you can. Yeah. Like tor- torture them. That's so weird. Why? Why? Why three guys in Florida? Why? Yeah, why three guys? It's Florida. That's why. Yeah. Let's... You've yeah, been to Florida. Right? Here's the video. Solid argument for that. So they're. Oh, it's rendering there, or buffering. Oh, they blurred it out. Yeah, they're blurring out the shark. This version, at least. Well, for the listeners, you can go look at the video. There's video on ABC News of it happening. That's fucked. That's really disturbing. And they're oh, like, just like, guys frat boys. Yeah, look at those guys. <laughs> Piece of shit. Douchebags, man. Jesus. I mean, really, okay, we're, we're commenting on it, but really imagine doing that. Or imagine being in a boat with guys doing that. You'd just be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You catch a shark and you're just like, yeah, just dragging him. What a fucking asshole. Oh, this yeah. is the embryo. The embryo is just a year younger than the mother who birthed her. What? Yeah, so this is a new story. We moved on to a different I story. I thought I was the only one that had that happen. Born, baby born from embryo frozen 25 years ago. I saw this earlier. Jeez. It's the it's the record for the oldest embryo. Oh, I see. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do they call that? Um, Freezer burn. Bow, bow, bow. We need that sound. Do you have that yet, Drew? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Just farts and cats. <laughs> Just farts and cats. Okay, now. I don't next know if you're holding it close enough to the mic. Farts and cats. That's so stupid. Scroll up to the top there, homeboy. Uh, yeah, the long, okay, the longest known frozen human embryo to result in a successful birth was born last month in Tennessee. Um, Emma Rand Gibson delivered November 25th. Medical director, blah, 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 the result in the embryo originally froze in October 14th, 1992. So someone, that's so fucking Do you crazy, think man. it'll be a Nirvana fan? Yeah, she think? goes on to say, do you realize I'm only 25, this embryo, and I could have been best friends? Only if it spends a lot of time in utero. Oh, he got it. Beep, 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 That's creepy. I, I was going to say creepy, but maybe that's not creepy. That's just unusual. Receive Fareed. Do you guys know this guy, Fareed Zakaria? That's whose name's right there. He's um, awesome. Well, who is he? He's like He's a journalist a, dude, right? Yeah, journalist, co- a correspondent with, uh, or he has a, a show on on CNN, or and maybe even one on PBS. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. rad. He's really cool. Cool. Moving on, what else you got, Drewski? Oh, oh, that's cool. There we go. Oh, lordy lord. Oh, see, okay. So er, earlier, when well, you were pulling tabs up, I remember seeing this. Former Pentagon UFO official. Quote. Quote. We may not be alone. Finally. So this is the pen... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. 
Is that their native language? <laughs> that? Show we're no, that's just guys. that's how nervous Andrew gets about extraterrestrial <laughs> life. <laughs> the, no, the Pentagon said they spent how much money on it, Andrew? It was like twenty million dollars researching UFOs, and this is what pilots thought. Have you seen this, Ryan? No. Yeah, it's hard to tell what I'm looking and at, but only, that's it just looks like thing. a black dot. Yeah. Well, and every time there's a UFO, every single time, not some of the time, every time there's a UFO sighting or fucking Bigfoot or whatever, it's always really blurry. Really shitty quality. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? I would love some evidence why that doesn't there... require my imagination. Yeah, why are we all squinting our <laughs> eyes? Exactly. Well, what the, the video like, is... you think by now there'd be an HD fucking Well, that, UFO. That's, that's exactly why this video doesn't intrigue me, but the fact that it's a public statement. Well, that's that means the thing. something to the me. Panic, yeah, they, I mean, they released a statement about it. And this happened in 2004? Is, is that what it said? In, something uh, like that. In yeah. the caption? Yeah. So they've had this for a while. And they're oh, saying that something from now. 2004. Yeah, that does. and they're saying something now. Weird. Why? Man. Why are they putting it out? Because uh, the Blink 182 dude, uh, Tom DeLonge. <laughs> Tom DeLonge. Dude, did you like, watch that? Come... <laughs> yeah. The Rogan episode. But yeah, I guess what he has a, a bunch of videos. Net. He's working with like the uh, fucking Pentagon dudes. What like, started like, the beginning? What are you saying? No. Tom DeLonge from Blink 182. Huge conspiracy UFO conspiracy theorist. Oh, that's not even. That's part of why he left the biggest band in the world. Was so that he could go research UFO shit and like full alien stuff and like they're 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 watch the podcast. You can watch on YouTube or listen to the the Joe Rogan podcast with him on it, and it's like two and a half hours long. But he, it's crazy, man. You're watching you're watching a madman. Was he probed or like like what? What's what what? what, Where does this come from? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, really really bizarre. Yeah, they put this out. I guess he's working or talking with like high level officials, but uh, he has a company like To the Stars or some shit. Mm-hmm. Where... The thing, the thing that's unethical though that people are accusing him of, and this is all alleged. I, I don't know that people are donating money to his cause, and he, you know, people kind of feel like he's trying to fool people, and it's really weird. I, I saw some guy that's like, like a, you know, an expert on lying and body. Uh, language and shit mm-hmm. and they were breaking down the interview that he did with Joe Rogan and there's a lot of indications of him like oh. scratching it's and like do- oh that guy's know. a charlatan it's like yeah he's either out of his mind and he really believes all this stuff or he's a liar or it really happened the, uh, the UFO thing <laughs> is always by it's always interests me I, I've gone down a few YouTube rabbit holes sure. of like watching have... the extreme conspiracy theories and stuff Logically, they're all like, okay, that could be explained. Like, you're always doubting it, but it's very interesting to, like, if something were actually happening. Like, Andrew, scroll back up to that little part. What's that say? So it says Pentagon admits running secret UFO investigation for five years. That was the actual, like, story. 
Yeah, the, but see, that's the thing. Everybody, the conspiracy theorists that we all thought were crazy were saying it was happening, and the government was always no, no, no. But why mm-hmm. are they bringing it out now? That's why I want to know. Yeah. You hear like Neil deGrasse Tyson; those guys talk about it. I mean, it. The, you know, those guys will say like it seems pretty intellectually arrogant to assume that we're alone in this universe. Right? Yeah, and and I would agree with that. As would I. It is pretty bizarre for this like this speck of a fucking beach of sand we are we are absolutely a speck here well the more we find out about how big this place is it's oh, like it's this can't crazy. come on yeah, how does that yeah. make you can't feel right? huh? does it make you feel anxious when you think about that stuff or does it comfort you neither i mean i'm a i'm Very a neutral. i'm a spiritually boring atheist and i'm a and i'm an outright realist i mean i don't um i don't yeah. i don't necessarily look at the world and and I, I like I it, w- it wouldn't be natural to me to have an emotional reaction to to like whether or not we're alone in the universe. It's like t- to me, it seems obvious that we are. If that were to be confirmed, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm too. But I mean, I'm. I, it's also fascinating to me, and and you know, that's what it is for me. I'm more fascinated than emotionally invested. Oh God, I wanted. I how if, much do we not know? I want to believe. How, how much like do Fox we not Mulder know? Says. Um, how much could could another group of 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 people or beings or whatever they are yeah. uh, teach us potentially about what is really going on and also like um, or shove sharp things up our butt? Hopefully, there's less of that. No, but um, but then again, we we do work. We do our bodies do operate in a very fascinating way. Sure do. Um, but more more than anything, like how. My my experience of being an American is so informed by having traveled outside of America. That's I, right. I only really started understanding what being American was yeah, when I saw what culture. it contrasted against not Americanness. Me too. You know? And so for another another race of people, another being, oh yeah, that that are that that developed you're not talking entirely about apart from how we did i mean are yeah. you kidding me like it is bizarre we could we could intrinsically learn so much about ourselves to by, think of by, our us as earthlings instead of americans uh wouldn't that be a benefit indian or pakistani like whatever yeah. do you yeah, think that would unite Earth. the world or put it against each other all of us i would hope it would unite i would hope so just like Americans know. are united with Americans. Humans are so terrified. We're yeah. terrified, afraid. You know, like the cavemen, it was, it's a survival thing. But yeah. That's why we're so afraid and afraid of being eaten alive by fucking bears and shit. And so it's, it applies to the unknown, too. Well, our, our, our version of tribalism makes sense for what we know of the world. Like, my tribe right. is my family and, like, whatever, Celtic people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, if we were to have contact with uh, with a whole other group of people than like our tribe would be humans. Speaking of you know, contact, like, when was the last time you saw the movie Contact? It's been a while. It's, it's been so a while. good. That's one of my faves. Yeah, it's certainly one of my favorite sci-fis. I have a hard time. I loved so I loved that movie. I have a hard time with Jodie Foster. You know it's one of the funniest movies of all time? Nell. Do you oh, know which yeah. one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Andrew, you know it's, Dude, been, that it's been a minute. Hilarious. She like lifts her shirt. You see her. You see her nipples. little, her little boy nipples, and she she like speaks <laughs> her own language. Yeah. She lived in the woods. A, a twin, a twin language. My chicka pie. <laughs> My Tay in the wind. Tay in the Tay wind. In the wind. It's one of the funniest movies ever. Yeah, there's something. She she, she sort of she she just makes me anxious. 
um, <laughs> watching her on screen. I can't put it into words, but like I feel tense whenever I'm watching a Jodie Foster movie. So funny to me. All right, what do you all see, Andrew? You had a Russell Simmons story up there. What's going on? Russell Simmons' accuser recalls being pinned down and raped by media mobile. Jesus, man. Another one bites the dust. Oh, you guys, like... We've this, talked a lot about this on the podcast. Well, it's, it's every week. Every, every week. single week, there's yep. a new thing. Uh, there, was, there was a really... Without fail. There was a great interview that I heard. Uh, it was in that first week where a lot of the Harvey Weinstein stuff was still coming in. Uh-huh. And somebody said something that really got under my skin and has been echoing in my mind through, as all of this stuff is, uh, is, is coming to light. Yeah. And uh, this was a person who had worked inside Hollywood for a long time. He said, one of the biggest problems that we're dealing with here is the fact that even at its highest echelons the entertainment industry is incredibly unprofessional yeah oh yeah Yeah. the kind of shit that people get away with at very high level in very high level recording sessions that i've been fortunate enough to be in on and from what i hear about friends of mine who are uh camera people and and producers on movie sets um you you can be operating with the best of the best in your profession and be surrounded by unremarkably unprofessional behavior that never would have passed muster in any of our parents' professions yeah. ever. Well, we've, we've, I, know. I think I've brought this up on previous podcasts. It's like, thank, uh, one of the good things about all this shit coming out is hopefully that will no longer become a standard. That's we what hope. I'm hoping. We hope. You know, yeah. I know. Like, that's the new standard. I mean, yeah. it's not, honestly, it's not going to happen it's until wi- women are in the seats of power. Yeah, until they're the, running the Like, for example, I have to put up with owners. so much locker room talk in in some recording well, think sessions. think of the producing, and, you know, not to interrupt, but like all the producers, I mean, me and my wife talk about all the time, I would love to represent a female producer. Yes, please. You know how hard it is to find it? Right. Almost impossible. I mean, they're. Well, I've out told there. you before. If I found one, I'd marry her, I dude. Her. I I want. <laughs> I would love to. Or support her career or in a platonic career. fashion, yeah. potentially. <laughs> but you know, like, it, yeah, this the kind of shit that I have to listen to people saying in se- sessions. Sometimes nobody would be saying if there was a woman in the room. Well, think about uh, you know Steve Cook, right? Yeah. Steve, so Steve and Tony Cornell were on the podcast a few weeks back, and we got into a really good conversation about how like we grew up it's in, not even like looking up to, but we just know that there's, you know, like the Motley Cruz and all the, the rock and roll shit. Yeah. These bands were encouraged to be fucking assholes mm-hmm. and it was cool. Like how many bitches can you fuck? And yeah. how many, like all that shit was just so ingrained in the young band guy's mind. And especially in rock. Especially in the band world that me and you grew up in, yeah. Oh, but the, also the, in hip hop, the, guy, the guys all, make the music, the guys produce it, and then there's groupies on the road, they, and that's, they're there for our fucking yeah. Amusement, thank bro. God there's women in the world because we got that, groupies. Like it's, it's such a chauvinistic yeah. shithead mentality, and it, and it is born out of there not being women in the room. That's if there right. were women in the room, it's if there were women club. making decisions, you would never if there was, do that. If there was a, a woman at the you know at the executive producer or, or the producer role, yeah, everybody starts policing themselves. I, Jesus, when I was um, I was probably 13, 14, I remember my dad, you know, ki- kind of having like what uh, a talk with me. I think he saw the trajectory I was going on, which was following those kind of guys. And I looked up to dudes in rock bands like Shiner and all these bands mm-hmm. that we were lucky enough to hang out with. 
All right, real quick. Sorry, this is Josh. We have a meeting at hey. 7.30. So oh, hey, he's, what's going on? He's going to hang out at that school with everybody. That's cool. awesome. Nice uh, to meet you, Josh. I would offer you a seat, but there's not really anywhere to sit. But anyway, you know, like, uh, and so my dad kind of gave me a good perspective. He's like, you grew up with three sisters and no brothers. You were basically raised by women. My aunt lived with us. She was basically my fourth sister. My grandma was, I lived with my grandma too downstairs. All women. It's like, would you... Would you treat any of those women differently? Like, make sure you're, you know, if you're treating a girl, make sure it's the same as you would your older sister or anyone else. Like, don't go out there and be a fucking asshole. And how would you feel about a guy treating feel? one of your sisters yeah. the way, yeah. I, mean, I know. And livid is the answer. Yeah, exactly. Fucking red in the face mad. So how did it get this way, do you think? Oh, I mean. It's, it's the lack of women in the room. Yeah. That's part of it. You know, it's a big, it's a big part of it. And it's also like, just culturally, it's I mean, just a lot Motley of, it's, it's, there are so many, uh, testosterone is not an easy thing to have in your body. Like it, it, it it's, it has a weird influence yeah, and it's on very natural. the way it's okay that you be, think about yeah. sex. There's a yeah. great episode of that NPR show philosophy talk where they talk to a woman who's been transitioning from being a woman into being a man taking testosterone supplements and all of a sudden starts having incredibly pornographic thoughts about the women that she's attracted to on the subway. Whereas before it'd be like, oh, it's a beautiful woman. She's reading a book that looks really nice. And maybe we're in the... But what's crazy is... And all of a sudden it was like, I want to see her tits. And I want (laughs) to... And she was just like, whoa, where's this coming from? Well, an interesting thing that might be part of that is she might be experiencing what a normal man goes through, but because she has had a different chemical makeup that may be drastic to her yeah and also it was probably it was probably a lot of testosterone those yeah I mean, true yeah she she it, you're trying but, to override you know a, yeah. a, a, a body's uh, uh natural hormonal balance or whatever you want to say but well back to the the current event that that's fucked up about russell Simmons though one, oh. of, the, one of the the moguls right yeah i've been i mean but again, it's like you were saying. What that we're the what we're discovering here, with this whole Me Too m- movement and this 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 whole thing is like it's not. There's like there's nobody that you can point to and say, well, he wouldn't. That's right. Like there really isn't. Matt first of Lauer all, first of all, first of all, no, he, well, I always thought the guy was a creeper. I never. I grew up with him. I never knew. Lizard. Yeah, I was surprised. You grew up that. with anyway. Matt Lauer. You're yeah. buddies with Matt Lauer. Yeah, dude. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, what what what, what were we talking about? I don't Sex you're... being creepy. Oh, dude, yeah, d- yeah, dudes, dudes being creepy, dudes being jerks. Well, fuck you that. You never shit. expect it from somebody, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, th- there's the, the whole thing where we don't know these people, like c- celebrities, no. even if they have a talk show that we feel like we get to see a lot of them in their daily life. No, we don't. Like, we don't know any of these people. No, sure we didn't. Don't. We obviously didn't know Bill Cosby. Oh my God! Didn't I know. thought that I knew Al Franken. You know, like there's all, all of these people left and right where I'm like, how the wait you and the lesson Not to be you. learned from it is like it's it's just it's the Wild West out there. And, and, and there are too many people, men and women alike, who have just accepted that this is how it is. And yep. and, and there's been too many there, there's been too many instances where a, a woman's livelihood her career, her reputation was, uh, was at, at, you know, this is what you do you know, and it's, it's really sad. That same interview where somebody was saying the problem with the entertainment industry is that it's incredibly unprofessional, even at its highest echelons. He was also saying that when a lot of this stuff was happening, you could very honestly 
without exaggeration, say that Harvey Weinstein was the single most powerful man in Hollywood and actually oh, did yeah. have the power oh, yeah. to begin or end somebody's no, career. No question. Well, which, I, I, like, that's fucking terrifying well, can that, that you have some rapey and creep who has that much power. It was written into his contract. You read about that, right? I've said no, it tell me podcast. about that. So he did it so much and so frequently. Yeah, that's so crazy. That you about the, that. his bosses, whatever, whatever, whoever he held the contract with, they actually wrote a policy in his contract that said... You can continue to keep doing this, but every time you're fine to the company, is going to get larger. They wrote it into his contract. That's how often it was happening. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, so, and, and there's this is probably a discussion that I'm just missing out on. And that was okay. That's what bugs me. Oh, God. Jesus oh, Christ. exactly. And and the people, uh, Anthony Bourdain lately, because he's I think he's dating somebody who, who was abused by one of these fucking assholes. And, um, and, and one thing that he's been harping on about is... Fuck anybody that knew it was. There's a special circle of hell reserved for the people that knew that was happening and just said like, well, you know, it's kind of how it is. And it makes me wonder, like Quentin Tarantino, like every movie he's ever done has been on Weinstein, has been released by the Weinstein Company. Like they they, they go back a long ways. Like, well, he he himself has been accused. What the ever loving yeah. fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Not like straight up rape, but like. He'd come grab my tit on set. He was a super creep. One of the most frustrating things is that it is so easy. It is the easiest thing in the world yep. to just grab not do that. No, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, did I misunderstand? It's, it's the easiest thing in the world to just leave your dick in your pants. Guess what, guys? I know, just don't be a fucking You just asshole. don't take it out. Yeah. yeah. Your pants are already closed. You're sitting there. There's a woman in the room. Well, it's like the just leave them like, fucking closed. It's well, the easiest thing in like the world. That, man? It is the absence Her of an action rather than an action itself. Like She's showing cleavage, Ryan. There's Maybe no... she shouldn't wear that skirt. <sighs> Dude, that shit is infuriating. It's so maddening, man. All right, just, well, I, I, yeah. what else you got, Drew? Okay, yeah, let's move on. We're running <laughs> out of time. Was that it? Oh, okay. Then let me I'm make my. So, I'm sorry, women, that you live in this world. Some. This is not at all fair. This no, fucking it's sucks. Not. It is not. Well, we are that, approaching man? two hours here, so let's wrap this motherfucker up. Ryan, here's the time oh, for I our segment. I kind of thought we were going to have like a conversation, but you know, whatever. Two hours is fine. I'll, 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 okay. <laughs> two hour conversation. <laughs> now is the time for our segment called Rapid Fire Questions with Ryan Lewis. Oh, Jesus. We have 10 questions for you. I just got really anxious. Um, first question. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Coffee in the morning, question mark? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought so. <laughs> There's some people... Like, I, I, I won't even begin my day. I just, I'll just quit everything. I'm a two to four cup of coffee a day type of dude. Yeah, that's about me. And I Sometimes just more. found out... There's a new mm-hmm. study that says that um, I might live longer as a result of that. I thought I was giving myself a heart attack. And had some, uh, in addition to being cracked out on caffeine, I was also nervous about giving myself a heart attack. But now I'm going to chill out a little bit and just drink my caffeine and love it. Yeah, Chris Camp, he posted something about that earlier today. He said he used to drink like four four or five cups of coffee and like six shots of espresso or something crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and now he has one cup of of coffee a day and he's like, I feel amazing. (laughs) Well, that that was like me. Yeah, you drank a... Yeah, shitload right back in the day not so much anymore i'm also a three to four cup guy yeah. nowadays but it's engineer fuel all right um black gold if money weren't an issue what car would you buy that's a good one. Oh, that's awesome um i drive a 1999 subaru forester and uh i would just get a newer one because man you nice. can fit so much gear 
Yeah. In that car. Yeah. If, if I need to go to Fun a session where there's not a drum kit or a shitty drum kit or I just don't know, I can I can put my entire drum kit, four snare drums, every cymbal, and have room for my Benson Monarch. Love and it. I, I just it's a it's a gear it's a gear transporting machine. You just want a, a good reliable vehicle. Yeah. I I I'm I like I, it. F- fancy cars don't make good any answer. sense to me. Well, since it is the Christmas episode and we're a few days out from Christmas, what is your favorite Christmas song? If you, oh if you had man! Pick, well, I know you're kind of an old timey guy. So well, no, it's this. it's it's that I worked in retail way too much, man. <laughs> Christmas yeah, music like makes a, me want to die. That yeah, weird? yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> Apple, Banana Republic, Starbucks, which is basically oh, a re- retail you with a, a food handler's too. card. Ugh. I mean, like I've Ugh. worked retail. It's either been retail or food service, but mainly retail. For, oh, like retail was the job that I could get when I had to quit my job to go on tour. And then I could just get another one when I can. And who gave a shit, you know? Yeah. And dude, Christmas music can can fuck off. I I, None really, of it. <laughs> I really don't. It one all of those. it just reminds me of uh, of our of uh, you know an overly commercialized society. Well, then I won't ask you what your favorite Christmas movie is. Uh, Die Hard, duh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't ask him, but I did ask him. Yeah. Very clever, great. James. <laughs> I didn't see through that one. Smooth with a V at the end. Regular fries or curly fries? Oh man! Better answer this right, Ryan. Is there a right I'm answer? Just being weird. <laughs> I'm gonna go with regular fries. Good answer. That is the correct answer. And and day. really, what it was boiled down to is what whichever one of them came from a fresh potato. Copy that. Look at that. Yeah. Number six. You ready? Yeah. Favorite, Favorite fast food restaurant in Southern California. In and out. I knew it. Good. Oh, I mean, that's the only. Clearly, the only answer. There's some good ones. There's there's some good ones. Yeah. What was the one you were talking about the other day? El Pollo Loco oh, it, is crazy great. good. It like, is good. I love chicken on the bone. I'm so mad whenever anybody takes bones off. Stefan like, loves please. that joint. It's so good. It's an actual restaurant. Yeah. Is it post or pre-Breaking Bad? No, way pre. Way okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't even think that's the same one. Is that what it's called in the El show? El Pollo Loco, right? Yeah. No, it's a, it's all yeah. over Southern California. No, but yeah, is it's it called a, that in the show? Is it mm-hmm. right? Loco? Isn't it? Oh, I, I yeah, never I watched. So. Uh, never watched Breaking Bad. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's a must. I I mean, I'm gonna go you there. Love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go there. But okay, this is a no, divisive question. Um, and we asked Adam Pike this question last week. Andrew, you know this. Number seven. Pineapple on pizza? Question mark. Not so much. Woo! Uh oh. Uh oh. We got a civil war in this room. <laughs> Andrew and I are very strong proponents of. What was Mr. Pike's answer? Pineapple all day. Oh, yeah, and he thought he was going to make us mad. Oh. He's like, "You're not going to like this." Most people get pissed when I say this. I started a Me pineapple. Clapped. I started a pineapple war with one of the bands. Sustainer. Yeah. It was. It's a huge joke, but anyway, yeah. So a pineapple. I'm, war. I'm very curious. I'm very. Thankful that you brought it up because it's been a little interesting. Right, right, joke, right. So uh, what's your what's your take on it? Pineapple I, I enjoy it. And I enjoy it on. I don't. I don't. Not every day, all day. But yeah. I, if if I get a Hawaiian pizza, I will eat it. Copy that. So you only yeah. like it in context of the Canadian bacon. Oh yeah. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put pineapple with like pepperoni. See, that's me and Andrew's jam. Really? Yeah. That's what pepperoni pineapple. Fuck yeah, dude. So Is that Hills Road thing. What the fuck's going on? I don't know, here? man. I did, uh, Gino said it to me like when I lived with him. Yeah. Sausage, See, Gina likes it too, and, man. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. I mean, it just sounds Southeast Asian as fuck, kind of. Like, <laughs> Which is maybe why kinda pine- pineapple with sausage. Yeah, 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 like the sweet, salty thing. Right. Oh, I get it. Right, right, right. All right, number eight. You ready? 
How do you feel about basic rock drummers having a splash cymbal? <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless they are putting two of them together to make a totally badass sounding pair of hi-hats, I am not into it. Me neither. It boggles Splashes in China's are like, I, I, listen, yeah, I try to be so open-minded, and I try to operate in so many different genres, but if you show up with a splash cymbal or a China, <laughs> I'm a not going to let you put it up. Come like, on, man. She's lump. <laughs> you hear that song these days? Totally. It, it's all like... I, when it's I was a kid, I thought, I thought it was a real football. It was yeah. all splashes. That was the whole thing, song. though. Three, st- three real... string guitar, oh. two string bass, and two piece drum kit. That's right. He did the street three strings. That's right. Every, everything was uh, oh. minimal, minimal AF. You know who pulls it off? Abe Cunningham. Oh yeah, he he's the man. But he's not really basic rock drummer. He's like kind of hip hoppy and the drummer of Deftones. That's right. Oh okay. Yeah yeah. All right, number nine. He's also from that school. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I get you. Desert or mountains? Mountains. I, I would agree. All right, number 10. You ready? The very last question. Rapid fire question. Favorite country in Europe? Jesus, dude. What? what? We'll, we'll say Western Europe. Western Europe. Italy. Italy. That was rapid fire question with Ryan Lewis, everybody. Clap. Clap, Neil. Clap. One clap. Single clap. One single clap. It means more than several. Uh, and the uh, movie pick of the week, I'm going to go with Star Wars because I just saw it. Highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen the new Star Wars. Just saw Disaster Artist two nights oh, ago. That was mine last week. Phenomenal. Wasn't it great? It was really so good. So good, man. And my parents, who didn't see The Room, fucking loved it. Yeah, you don't really need to, I don't think. I, I think was wondering about that, and they, they, they did a really good job. I couldn't believe how many of my favorite underground comedians were, like every single actor who had a speaking role in that movie is an underground comedian that I, I mean- I'm I'm hoping that they're that they'll be overground very soon, but but they're they're, they're all like stand up comedians a yeah. lot a lot of them and yeah. like you, you know members of UCB or Second City. It was like a, a bunch of really really yeah. It was a cool. Have cast. you ever seen The Room, Neil? Oh yeah, yeah. So do you know what we're talking about the disaster? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it was yeah. so good. I know very, Stefan very well. Oh, known. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a while it was just like on loop in his studio. He emailed it to me. He I think three totally... times. Yeah. Three separate occasions. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for being on, Ryan. We Thank love you so you much for having much, me. Man. I'm so happy to be part of the stateside family. I love you guys. You're the best. Where can people find you online? You can find me at uh, statesidemgmt.com sure slash R-I-A-N. What, Lewis? Is it my whole? My uh, it's whole? just uh, backslash just, Ryan. Just backslash Ryan. You got it. Um, Instagrams? Um, numbers off the top of your head? What am I? At? I got you, R-I-A-N-L-E-W-I-S. bro. Hold on. R-I-A-N-L-E-W-I-S? Yeah, you're just Ryan Lewis. At yeah. Ryan Lewis. And then uh, Twitter, which I have yet to ever use once, I think. Mm-hmm. You can follow me you or use not. Twitter. You just don't know you do because you hit the upload to Twitter button. You oh, do it, so you, it makes me look like I use Twitter. You, you post it <laughs> if you post from Instagram. Yeah. You never go to Twitter. Yeah, click that little button, though. Click that little button. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Where can they find you, Neil? Neilio Engel on Instagram. How about you, Drewski? Where can they find you? Don't mind if I drew. Love it. You Instagram. can find me at... James Ian Macmillan or at Stateside MGMT. Thanks for being on again, Ryan. Also, Andrew, you don't have a musical project of your own that people should know about, do you? Or yeah, uh, Sleepy Fuck, Sleepy Fuck. So you can find that on Instagram. How no do I spell that? How do I spell that, Andrew? S L P Y F C K. It's almost like all the vowels have been removed. Exactly, <laughs> almost. So, ladies and gentlemen, interesting. Sleepy and, Fuck minus the vowels and the new gentry. I was just gonna say. Tell people about that. Yeah, we're mixing mix with Stefan, so uh, we he were was like just five, showing six it to me. songs along. We? That's a we? We? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I drum for him. So no shit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, he's the. I'm like, so pumped. Version. We were just listening to some of it upstairs. I was just listening yeah. to some of oh, it upstairs nice. with Stefan. Oh, cool. no shit. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So pumped Long about that. I'm super stoked. I started seeing some of those live videos of older performances trickle out on social media, and I was yeah. like, are they going to do a thing? Yeah, I think they're yeah. going to do a thing. It's building up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. It's going to be fun, fun for, to bust. First time I've heard the Gentry was fucking rad. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. One of my favorite bands in the Portland area for it's sure. Good music. Um, well, 2017 was a fantastic year, guys. Thanks for starting the podcast with me. This has been a lot of fun. I think we're on number 13 now. Nice. 12, 13, so. yep. 33, something like that. Yeah, 13, like 303. <laughs> I'm glad we're doing it, though. We're going to try to put out one every week, and we'll, we'll continue to do it. Um, but have a Merry Christmas, and thanks for checking in. We love you. We'll be back after the holidays. Bye. Did you just kiss? Bye. You kissed and whistled. Happy Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.